Welcome back to Coast to Coast, the hockey podcast. I'm March. Alongside me is my partner in crime, Danny. And we are bringing back another one of our deep dive episodes, an episode reserved for one team, which allows us to go over everything from its in-game experiences to its roster. And today we'll be covering our fourth original six team, the Chicago Blackhawks. Joining us today are Tony and Ron from the Four Feathers podcast, a show dedicated to giving content, updates, and hot takes on all things Blackhawks hockey. Before I ask Danny how he's doing, be sure to follow us on major social media platforms such as Twitter and Instagram at C2CTHP and catch all our latest episodes from deep dives to collaborating with friends of the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And please make sure to rate our episodes on one of those platforms and share these episodes with those you know as it is massive support. Danny, how are you doing? I am doing so well today, March. And I know that we say this every single episode, but I was actually really, really happy about this episode, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Original Six team, it's a team that I really admired uh, at some point um, when the Habs were in the Koivu era and, and such. So um, mm-hmm. There was a time where Chicago was my team, so uh, I'm really excited, and I can't thank enough our guests for being with us today. I was going to say, uh, you know, I don't think we'd record on a day that was bad for us, so uh, of course we're going to keep saying that we're having a good day. I know, um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing pretty well as well. Uh, um, it's miserable over here. Just can't wait for, uh, we're having a chat with uh, our guests uh one of our guests earlier, I don't know, uh, was it, uh, well, I might as well uh, mention it right now. Uh, was it, who was talking to us earlier? Was it uh, Tony or, or was it? It was Ron. It was Ron. So Ron was actually chatting with us earlier about um, visiting the West Coast of Canada. And I was going to mention, but I might as well mention it now. If you're going to come to the West Coast of Canada, uh, you got to come past uh, uh, May until August. And you're kind of getting iffy in August because then you're you're it's 40 degrees and there's fire everywhere. So uh. <laughs> it's so true. It is so true. Yeah. yeah. So Vancouver's fantastic for two months of the year. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. anyways, um, I think Ron wanted Tony to go. So Tony, how are you doing? Welcome. What's going on, guys? Happy to be here. It's uh, it's still miserable down here in Chicago too. It's not. It's not that great. It's you can't even see anything right now. Very foggy, and we're finally coming out of the cold stretch that you guys sent down from. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. From up there, and uh, now yeah. it's 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 starting to warm up, but it's still miserable. Don't come to mm. Chicago in January either if you're looking for a place to go. <laughs> Ron, how about yourself? I, I will second what Tony had to say. No, uh, we're we're appreciative of uh, jumping on with you guys. Looking looking forward to to diving in, and you know we had some good banter in in kind of the the pre show chat. And uh, I'm doing well though, guys. You know it, it's it's miserable out here. It's cold. It's foggy, but it's always a beautiful day to talk hockey. So uh, it's uh, oh, we're excited exactly. to jump on with you guys. Okay, uh, Danny, uh, anything you want to say before we get started in terms of questions? Let's do this. We know the recipe. Our fans, they they know what what they're getting into. Um, let's uh, let's ask our friends here. Um, you guys want to just tell us just uh, before we begin here the, your uh, socials, whether on podcasts or yourselves as well, for people to follow you. 
Ron, take it away. You you are the hype man here at ONTAP Sportsnet. So <laughs> yeah, you can uh, you can follow us. Uh, we're at Four Feathers Pod um, on pretty much all of the socials. Uh, you can follow our greater entity as well at ONTAP Sportsnet on the socials as well. Uh, you can follow us on YouTube, Facebook, you know the whole nine yards. Uh, you'll find us just about anywhere. I am at Loose on Tap on the socials. L U C E for those that are probably like, how the hell does this kid spell his name? Uh, Loose on Tap is where you can find me. Tony is at Tony. Tony on tap uh, is where you can find him on the socials as well. So uh, we like to keep, uh, keep consistent and keep on brand, but that's where you guys can uh, find our show. And uh, we certainly hope uh, some of your guys' listeners will enjoy us and, and vice versa. We're, uh, we're hoping that uh, this will, this will create more support uh, for both of our shows. So, uh, but yeah, at four feathers pod is where you can find all our great work. And oh, for and, sure. And personally yourself, Ron, and uh, your account as well. Yeah, at Loose on Tap. So L U C E on Tap um, on the socials. And then, yeah, Tony is at Tony on Tap. So his is a little easier. Mine is I, somebody took Ron on Tap and I'm so salty (laughs) at that person some three years later since it's been changed. But don't worry, I'll uh, (laughs) I'll get in touch with uh, Elon, okay? For you. Deal. That sounds sounds (laughs) good. Don't worry, I'm I'm not on good terms with that guy, anyways, with uh, how this app's (laughs) going so far. Um, So, do you want to just discuss uh, just a little bit about your podcast team, how you guys uh, met, how you guys got started doing this, um, um, stuff like that? Is that a me question or a you question, Ron? I think that's a you question. That's probably a question. You're the 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 evil scientist behind this whole thing. Yeah. So this has been going now for what ron five six years five years oh that's awesome four four feathers podcast sort of out lasted well um a previous website that ron and i uh were working at um at the time uh ron was actually the first person that i brought on as a blackhawk section manager over at a site called shy sports nation and um i'm a baseball podcaster as well so i had started a show over at that uh entity uh, to do some baseball podcasting for the Chicago White Sox and um, wanted to create something for the Blackhawks as well. Um, Ron came on board uh, as well as uh, the third member of Four Feathers podcast crew. That's Johnny Nani. Um, and we sort of just banded together and the rest is history. Um, not even just with Blackhawks and content, but uh, Ron also does stuff for Chicago Cubs, Chicago Bears, um, myself and Johnny do some stuff with uh, the White Sox, and, and we cover everything in Chicago, but Four Feathers is really the um, first podcast, so to speak, that came across to ONTAP Sportsnet when we when we founded the company, so um, Ron and I have been doing this together for a long time with Johnny, and it's uh, it's grown uh, consistently over the years, and it's it's a great time. Cool. Nice. Yeah, we, Dan, Danny and I haven't been doing this that long at all. I mean, Danny, when did we start this? Uh, in the summer? I think in August? May or June uh, last summer. Oh, okay. Uh, just before that. Yeah. Essentially, I, think, uh, yeah, just I mean, that we, draft. This, yeah. we've explained this a number of times, but I very, very quickly, for those uh, listening for the first time, we, we used to have uh, a lot of uh, Twitter spaces for years. Uh, well, not, not a lot of years, but a little bit of... And then we decided, hey, we got to record this. Like we've had some heated debates. So sometimes we clean it up for those podcast episodes. But uh, in the past, we don't even always agree on everything. Um, and I'm not sure if our American That's friends, they know a lot about Ron and Don, Don Cherry and, and Ron McLean. 
Um, I'm more of I'm I'm a little bit older than March. Uh, I have that uh, big tough North American players preference and you know <laughs> playing the right way, hitting and all that. And March is all into skill and doesn't mind the Europeans and I don't know what. Like so we yeah, do sometimes okay. clash a little bit. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and I read uh, poems from the 18th century. Anyways. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay. So, okay, we 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 we, we kind of understood here. So you guys are really covering every almost every every team in the uh, in the Chicago area. So your mission is pretty clear to me, unless the unless you guys have other alternative method uh, alternative uh, uh, reasons for doing what you do. Or is it just for having a good time and just bringing people together, analyzing the games and stuff? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, we've uh, we do have a heavy writing section over on tapsportsnet.com. Um, so we do everything from injury updates to in-depth analysis. Um, we were part of, we are still part of Sports Illustrated Media Network. Um, so we've been with them for about a year. And then um, for a while we were independent, just, you know, putting up blogs and everything. But uh, we've done some credentialed reporting work with the uh, the PGA, uh, we've got uh, credentials into the Chicago Fire soccer team um, yep. here as well. Uh, Ron's done some credential work with the Chicago Wolves before. Um, so just uh, a little bit of everything. But, you know, our, our mission is to be, you know, the best sports coverage in the city of Chicago. So that's uh, that's our mission, number one. Good, good. Excellent. Thank you so much. Um, we've asked these questions in the past. If you don't have any, but I think after all these years, you might have some. Uh, any anecdotes, anecdotes from the from the past that uh, anything happened that kind of stands out? Um, remember that March when we asked uh, uh, Tyler from Puck My Life about some anecdotes? The number of times that they had some some strange things happen to them on their travels. Mm-hmm. Anything like yep. that for you guys uh, that happened in the past? I mean, the first thing that comes. First thing that comes to mind is there's a long-standing rumor that uh, Ron Luce actually ate the Big Mac that was left in the basement <laughs> of my house after a long oh. night of adult beverages. I did not um, he eat was, that. He was he was left a Big Mac, and and the rumor here, and it oh. has been for a long time. It's unconfirmed though. Uh, we're trying to get Elliot Friedman to confirm it, but uh, <laughs> no, no confirmation yet. Uh, but, I'll talk uh, to him too. Don't worry. We'll yeah, we Kevin Weeks on it. Yeah. So that's that's probably my best antidote from the past. If you want to go for feathers, Ron, do you have anything else that's uh, that's really stuck out? I mean, there's a ton of stuff. I mean, we, we've met uh, we've met Shooter McGavin before. Um, that oh, was a, that was a really? fun night at uh, at Brent Sopel's <laughs> uh, celebrity golf outing. Um, so we got to do a bunch of interviews with uh, a couple of really cool people there. Um, so we've we've talked to Dave Boland once on our podcast. That was ap- absolutely electric. Um, you know, there's been so many fun moments, uh, just since we started this, that I can't even, I can't even recollect them all Ron, What, what am I missing? Yeah. I mean, uh, we, we've had Brent, uh, Brent Sopel on as a guest as well. Uh, in the past, uh, we had, uh, he's a colorful uh, character for sure. He is, he is, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun having him on. We had, um, uh, a, a, he's now become ironically kind of a family friend of ours, but, uh, a former, Montreal Canadian, Mr. James Wisniewski, um, has been on our show before as well. Cheese Wiz. Um, oh yeah, he's he's the <laughs> his man. nickname he's, was Cheese Wiz, by the way. I don't know if that's like known in the I think US that's a, I think that's a Montreal thing because uh, yep. he he wasn't he wasn't with the Hawks very long. A lot of a lot of the current day Hawks fans kind of forget who he is because he was kind of pre the Cup era. So uh, I remember he just him very missed well. it. 
Yeah, he just missed it. But uh, no, Wiz is Wiz is the man. And um, but yeah, we've we've done a ton of cool things. A lot of great guests. Uh, we we've done a couple of. Uh, it's kind of become an annual tradition now. Uh, we we do as many get-togethers as we can to watch games live together. We did this year's home opener uh, at Tony's house. We did um, the the season opener back in 2019 when the Hawks were over in Prague playing the Flyers to open the season. Uh, we watched that game together as well. Um, and we've kind of made it a, now a, a, a at least two-year tradition. I think this will at least be or at least this will be the second year now that uh, now that the NHL has a sense of humor and makes the trade deadline on a Friday. Uh, we get together oh, and know. it's a big uh, it's a big kind of content day for us at Four Feathers covering the trade deadline. Uh, last year I I did my best to be uh, the the United States version of Elliot Friedman and we put the blazer on and uh, we even went on <laughs> safari, right, Tone? And uh, yeah, we did a ton, we did a ton of stuff. We I'll, I'll send the, those to you guys afterwards. But Ron Ron's a trooper. He was up on a green screen for a couple of hours. Um, and then we just video edited him into various different places, sort of Kevin Weeks style almost. Um, hey March, you know what you know you know what artwork to use now for the cover for this episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever they send us. Yeah, we'll get we'll Here get you in, guys uh, some Tony's basement no. with the Big Mac. Yeah, we'll get we'll get you guys. Some <laughs> oh, there's no there's there's a there's a picture of that too. That's the best part. <laughs> there is that that's that's the one I think the one anecdote I could say just in general about on tap for more of like an overarching entity is like anytime we all get together and somebody does something, something's usually on photography or video. And somebody has it. So it's just one of those things where it's like everybody's got a little bit of dirt on everybody. But no, nah, we're uh, everybody's become good friends. And, and that we've got the most dirt on Ron, though. That's for sure. Yeah, 100 <laughs> percent. I, I, I'm I've I've effectively become a walking meme at this. Uh, at this <laughs> so I've, I've just gotten used to it, unfortunately, over the years. <laughs> um, good. So. Um, any, if, unless there's anything else you wanted to share about your team, I think we can di- uh, get into the fan experience uh, segment of the Blackhawks. Um, there's a bunch of things that are kind of standard, but if you guys think there are things that we're missing, please feel free to alter our agenda and just throw it out the window. We're happy with that. But uh, we w- we like to standardize some of the questions. So uh, when it comes to the United Center, if it's still called this way, because I'm I'm still old school, I still call you know, LA, the Staples Center, and I still call a few places like that. I'm not going to change that. Um, but um, yeah, the United Center, I know that when I went to Chicago, there was uh, the Sears Tower. Now it's called the Willis Tower, I think, unless it changed. But as for me, it's still the Sears Tower. So It's still anyway. the Sears Tower to us too, so don't feel bad, Danny. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, if it's the United Center, so tell us more where the United Center is located in the city. How do you get there? If it's somebody listening on this and who's planning on going to to uh, to Chicago, uh, train, bus, taxi, Uber, you know, is it a good area? Is it a dangerous area? Just want to know, like, where is it situated in the city? Yeah, I think it it kind of depends, um, at least in terms of the getting there part of it. But uh, it's it's in the western part of the city. Uh, widely, the neighborhood now is considered kind of like West Loop uh, is what it's generally considered. Uh, it's actually very uh, much a booming area. Uh, it's really evolved over the last 20 years. Um, it used to be very much an area that was like, eh, 
don't park your car in the wrong place. You you might you know come back and your tires <laughs> might be gone. But um, now it's 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 changed. It's a lot different. Uh, a, a little west of the arena is still you know some kind of the maybe rough parts of town, but um, east of the arena and, and kind of around the arena, it's really been built up. And there's a lot of you know bars, restaurants, new uh, housing or like skyrise developments for apartments and condos. And uh, there's actually now a lot a lot more to do really around the United Center than there was uh, you know. 10, 15 years New ago. So, like what? Uh, there's uh, just the the amount of, it feels like the amount of restaurants and, and bars within probably a 10 to 15 minute walk of the UC um, has just exploded over recent years. Um, just yeah, you used to only have like one area. or two options, Ron. And now you Yeah, it used it. to be like Billy Goat and that was really the like staple, yeah. I would think. And yeah, now it's, I mean, there's countless options that, you know, people can dive in and do. Uh, it's a little and hard to get there those, by train. Most of those have shuttles too, as yes. well. So talking about fan experience, most of those restaurants around the area, you can go in a couple hours early, get some food, get some drinks, and they'll run a shuttle for you to and from the game. Um, I did wow. that for the first time this year. Uh, didn't even know that that existed up until just a couple of months ago, actually. Um, so that's that's been a really like really positive development because there wasn't, as Ron said, anything to do in that area prior to a game. It was pretty much just show up at game time and then get the hell out of there. And now there's a little bit more nightlife. Yeah, indeed. And, and, and in terms of, you know, kind of following up with the, the second part of that question, how to get there. Um, I mean, really, it's it's kind of the best way is truly by car. Um, either, you know, if you're driving in from like us, we, we both live outside the city, at least for now. Uh, if you live in the city, a lot of people like to Uber. Uh, there's an entire like Uber lot dedicated at the United Center where, uh, people can, can ride share to and from the games. Um, there's bus buses that run up and down Madison street. Madison's a very popular street in the city of Chicago, very busy street. So uh, you can get there by bus as well. Train is a little hard. If you do take a train, it's a few block walk, but uh, it's certainly doable. Uh, You can take the, the local blue line to uh, the UIC hospital there uh, right along I-290 and and walk. You'll walk north about two and a half blocks and you'll be right there at the United Center. So uh, it's it's very accessible. It's in a it's in a very accessible part of the city uh, overall. And and yeah, it's it's really boomed over the last few years. And um, the city of Chicago has just grown in such a way where that West Loop area is is so much different than it was before. And and now you can actually kind of make a little more of a day and go do some things kind of near the 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 stadium before the game rather like than like tony said just kind of showing up and 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 tuning in for pop drop okay because i remember when i went there uh, it was in 09 and uh yeah there was nothing around it zero no even even since 09 i mean it's it's crazy i feel like even just over the last correct me if i'm wrong tell me five six years there's been a, a ton of development um, they, they really kind of missed out. Yeah, on, it's down on the block a little years. bit, like you said, it's down the block a little bit, but they have built up over there. There's a mm-hmm. pretty vibrant, just row of bars. What street is that, Ron? I don't believe it's Madison. Um, or it might be Madison still. Um, it might be Madison. Just okay. if, if you head towards the city, when you come out of the United center, you'll find enough places to stop in and have, have a beverage. Um, but those were not there five, six years ago. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot more vibrant than it was in 09, Danny. Okay. Awesome. Thank you guys. Mm. Um, 
the next I one was, I, I was going to ask uh, what, just a question here. To, uh, Mar go ahead, Marcus. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Um, I was going to ask something about around the arena. If you wanted to go first, Danny. I mean, I was going to ask the same thing, but I was going to ask mostly like they, they mentioned what's around it and the shuttles and, and the restaurants mm -hmm. and stuff that you can go to. But in terms of like photo op opportunities, what uh, if you tell me like this, this park that you can't, you can't not go there or something like that, like anything interesting around it that you guys, when you said like make a day out of it, was there anything that you suggest that people go to and, or take a picture of? Uh, I know it kind of is, in case you guys are, don't have any ideas, I do have an idea here, but uh, other than the, the Michael Jordan statue, uh, people need to not miss that. But <laughs> other than that, uh, uh, anything else that, that uh, people need to go see? I mean, directly around the stadium, the, the Jordan statue is certainly probably the biggest one. It's a lot different, uh, Danny, than when you were there, because now they've built what they call the atrium. Uh, so that's where all the, the Blackhawks offices and stuff are now. They essentially built it off the United Center. So rather than the Jordan statue being outside like it used to be in and out front of the United Center, it's actually now within this atrium. And they they really? do they'll yeah, they'll 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 uh they have a bar in there. They have a restaurant attached to it. There's a, a team store for different merchandise and things like that in there as well. Um, you can, oh yeah, yeah, there's the picture. Yeah, no, so that <laughs> entire thing is uh, in, in case now. It's it's a building now that it builds okay. off of the United Center. Um, but yeah, they've got a, a ton of great stuff in there now. They'll, they clean it up around the holidays and they you know, decorate it for, for Christmas. They'll bring live entertainment in before games for certain things. Um, they did uh, Marion Hosa's, you know, official retirement in the atrium before the game when they, um, you know, the night that well, it was Saturday. Yeah, that would, Tony with Tony and Johnny were there for that game too. And so, yeah, I think they do a lot with it now. It's really become a, no, it's, it's actually the cool thing about the atrium. So, um, the laws in the United States in terms of liability, most uh, sporting venues will open 90 minutes before the start of the game. That's just kind of standard protocol around at least Chicago mostly. But uh, from what I've experienced, it, it's pretty consistent around the United States. Um, the atrium actually opens two hours before start time. So if you do get there a little early and you don't want to stand outside of the cold for the doors, you can go into the atrium. They got the bar set up right there with some beers. You can sit down and, and just kind of hang out and wait around until the, the doors open 90 minutes before. So it's really cool. I mean, it's a new thing, but um, in terms of like, tourist destination stuff you got to venture about 15 20 minutes east to do all that with you know the the willis tower now and uh the bean and millennium park and and all the kind of staple you know chicago sightseeing is is a little bit away from the uc but um the atrium and and, and the jordan statue is is still certainly a draw i think i see at least 15 people taking selfies with the jordan statue on a nightly basis at games so it's it's still very popular even for the people that live in chicago danny basically uh like this is the real deal man like they they have this huge building around where we basically you were you were taking that photo like it's no longer outside like it's in well, it was like because this... of me that they built it you know <laughs> no but uh, yeah it's this like is super modern like wow i don't like correct me if i'm wrong like we can we gotta do more deep dives but like uh, i don't remember any other team doing something like this and I know like Toronto has a cool big screen outside for people that can't afford because nobody can afford tickets there. But like I, I know some like they have the Young Center, the Young Street Center all around Toronto. The uh, uh, but I don't I don't know about another city having such a such a dedicated uh, 
the venue like for that i mean that's that's ultimate uh, unbelievable value in my opinion yeah and they've got their team store connected to it as well guys so um it, it sort of shares space because united center is a shared stadium with the chicago bulls so um they've got a giant blackhawk store um in there as well with probably the best Blackhawks merchandise you can find. That's that's the other thing about the Blackhawks. And, and from a fan experience standpoint, they do a really good job with their merchandise. Whereas I know like I'm a White Sox fan as well. Sometimes you, you don't find the best merchandise in the stadium. But Ron, like uh, correct me if I'm wrong, man. That is where I go to shop for my Blackhawks stuff. And yeah, the price yeah. is a little bit higher than what you'd get on like Fanatics or whatever. But you don't find what you find in that store anywhere else. So yeah, they they do some exclusive stuff where they will only sell like certain collaborations and stuff in terms of merchandise within the team stores. Uh, they also have a team store down on Michigan Avenue, which is the big the the magnificent mile as people magnificent know it, mile. Uh, I was say that. Yeah. Yep, there's a big Blackhawk store right there on the river as well. But uh, yeah, the one in the UC they'll they'll sell very exclusive merchandise in there. Um, I can confirm I have pulled out my credit card too many times in that store and i've spent a lot of money at the united center as a result of it so in march even the the magnificent mile is a huge smile a huge store a huge sorry it's a huge street <laughs> of of just stores that no one can afford anything in them but yeah uh, you are okay. 1000 sounds right like uh, where i live the whole city yeah. um so i was gonna mention so i'm gonna ask a question here and and this is where i'm gonna start talking about my experiences as i always do because i like to somewhat compare certain things about where I live. So I'm in Vancouver. Um, I've been to quite a few Canucks games at Rogers Arena. Um, Ron mentioned that uh, he, he'd love to be, or love to come over to the Western Canada. Tony, have you ever been? Closest I've been is Portland. Um, but uh, no, good. I've never, okay. never well, been to closer. Canada, but I'm familiar sort of with the area. Okay. Yeah, so... Essentially, Vancouver is a great place to be in the summer, yada, yada, yada. But however, um, there's two things, food and the seats. And this is a question I was about to pose to you guys. But before I do, I wanted to talk about Rogers Arena. Um, food, I don't know. Can you guys tell me the closest Costco to the United Center? <laughs> and, and maybe give me how many miles away that is? Uh, the closest Absolutely. Costco is up in the kind of Fulton Market area, so that's probably about, I would say, no more than two miles away. Okay, so we got, okay, so sorry about the geography class here, but I would have to say the Costco next to Rogers Arena is about 20 hot dogs away. <laughs> it is it's across the street. Right, it is, it's, it's across the street. It's the closest Costco, and it, so essentially what I'm getting at here. No, you're you're you'd be you're either a real estate investor or or something if you're going to be buying food in Rogers Arena. No, no one with like uh, a medium salary is is buying food in that arena. Everyone goes to Costco, and I was going to mention the seats. The seats, literally, you have to be at least like 120 pounds to even be able to jump out of the seats because your hips are like squished. And those are the two things I hate about Rogers Arena. So you have to find food. You have to go to Costco and wait in like a two two month line, and um, those seats need to be redone, which they're doing now. That's Rich, where I've, I'm uh, I've also heard I've also heard the concourse is a bitch to navigate. 
Yes, because they put it. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. So basically, a lot of so this is actually a really good question. I'm glad you brought that up. Do you guys have like a a main area that everyone enters through? I guess like the Bell Center has. Danny, how many gates does it have? Like main two main gates. Two, three, we four, go over five. it? Like yeah. On but then we go over yeah. it, and it was like the where majority of the fans that go through the the two main ones. Kind of. I mean, they do have also underground entrances and in the back end and stuff like that. There's a lot of gates, but yeah, the main ones are two basically, one on the side, one on the front. Okay, because I'm glad you mentioned this. We have like seven main gates and they're on three different levels and you have to either go take an elevator onto a highway bridge or you have to go onto a different bridge and go through a casino or you have to climb stairs that go around Rogers Arena. So all I'm saying is aside from range. (laughs) <laughs> it's very no, but strange. also like you left out of the best parts like costco like sorry for stealing your thunder here march but like costco everyone knows when you enter you have to go in from from the entrance right and then you go all the uh, way you yes go to, it's a good point you check you check out and then you go to the food court right that's where you get right. the hot dogs yeah. and stuff vancouver i think maybe is the only costco where you can go straight from the outside and just go straight to the, to the food the food um, court's on the outside and on the outside and that costco yeah, it's on the outside. And that Costco has the most hot dogs in the world, specifically for the Canucks. Yes. yes. Um, That's so. wild. And the park is underground. <laughs> Thanks for joining the Canucks Deep Dive. So yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't think that the United Center is any worse, but I was just going to ask. Uh, and you've heard Rogers Arena's uh, uh, brief um, seat situation, as well as their very in-depth food situation. How does the United Center compare? Tony, I've been talking a lot. Do you uh, do you want to give your two cents on this one? Sure. It's it's definitely not as convoluted as what you just uh, provided <laughs> us with there. Um, you can enter through the atrium that we talked about just a minute ago, and a lot of people will get in line to go into the atrium, and then uh, that door that you were that you, the picture that you showed us is now sort of a restaurant area in itself um, that you can kind of walk through and then get to the concourse. Then you've got the two main gates on, on both sides of the stadium, which are backed up to the parking lots. Never had a problem getting in, Ron. I don't know about you. It's probably the fastest entrance into any stadium in the city of Chicago. They do it very well. Um, Ron's talking about, I don't know, how bad is Wrigley Field, Ron? Is it is it terrible? Is it easy to get in there? I, I literally walk into Wrigley Field every time I show up. There you go. Okay, so I don't go to Wrigley Field, but for me – the United Center is the shame. easiest stadium to get into. I don't, I don't frequent up there. I'm not, I'm not a North Side guy like Ron is. But I don't think that there's any issues getting into the UC. In terms yeah. of the concourse, you've got your, you've got your three main levels: the, the 100 level, then the 200 level, which is sort of a more upscale, carpeted area, a little bit fancier. Tickets are a little more expensive, and then you've got the 300 level where most of the Rowdier diehard Blackhawks fans sit. Um, mm-hmm. Everything is, you know, all just wrapped around the stadium. You can walk in a circle around the complete thing. There, you can go down if you want to escalators um, to get down to the hundred level in the middle of the game if you want food that's down there. Um, very easy to navigate. In terms of the seats, I think you could get we could get a little bit wider in the seats, but they're not terrible. It's just it's it's just a little uncomfortable. You can stand up, sit down, do what you need to do, um, but you're not like in a luxurious space. I'd, I'd maybe equate it to like being on a plane. Um, 
with some with some leg room. So um, in terms of views inside the United Center, there's not a bad seat in the house. Um, I've sat everywhere from the top of the 300 level to the 100 level to the 200 level. I've been in the top, top suites, the uh, like corporate suites. So they've got two or three sections of suites. One of them is all the way so up in the fresh. rafters. Um, and if you're up there, it's a little bit, a uh, little bit hard to see the action. Um, but it's still, it's still not a bad view by any stretch of the imagination. I would say from a fan perspective, being at the game, um, very comfortable comparative to other stadiums that I've been in. And so do you think, and so you mentioned like, are, do you think there are a lot of seats in the arena that you you might say, Hey, beware about buying these because I was just going to mention, and I'm saving this kind of, hopefully no one listens to this part, but I am going to see the Vegas golden Knights live. And there's actually seats that they say, Oh, it's obstructed and you can't see and all this stuff. That's why they keep having like 105% attendance because there's like people like behind pillars and I, I don't know. So in the United center, are there, would you say that, it's just a little far or there's li- literally an obstruction in some of these cheaper seats. There's no uh, obstructions anywhere. Yeah. There's not, oh, there's, when we say it, like there is legitimately not a bad, a bad seat in the United States. Okay. I mean, the only bad seats, quote unquote, if you're there for, you want to see the whole ice is like, you know, if you're sitting beside the benches yeah. or beside the penalty box, but that is yeah. anywhere. Um, no, there is legitimately yeah. not, not a bad seat in the United center. It's, it's pretty spectacular for that reason. I would say much. Uh, Montreal is the same way. Calgary is not. Calgary, <laughs> yeah, because you have the. If the you're not getting premium, yeah, the pillars, but also like in Calgary, fifty percent of your view is their is their ceiling. I'm not even joking. <laughs> is the ceiling of that building? So when you're when you're sitting there, fifty percent of your eyesight is is dedicated to the uh, to the ceiling of the building, just because it? it's lower down. Yeah, because it's, it's so. this. Yeah, the it's it like it's like a big pancake that's like curved so yep. like you see all that on the inside doesn't yep. isn't calgary the one with the catwalk yes yes okay that's the one yeah with the press conference all the way like mm-hmm. uh yeah i don't know how people do it but yes yes okay yeah that's the one um so what about like uh well you guys probably don't know it yet but we when we are going to air this episode we're going to have the uh the chicago goal horn uh to start off the episode um so i am already a huge fan of that goal song um mm-hmm. so exactly <laughs> and, uh, i'm a huge fan one another reason why i was looking forward to this episode just because it was a pretty cool one for those that are listening the coyotes deep dive that we did as well was pretty cool they have a, they, they have a cool uh um goal song with the with the howling uh coyotes yeah. and stuff so it's it's pretty cool as well um what about like the music and the energy this the quality of the speakers the uh, the energy of the of the fan base how is it compared um, uh, to other places you've been in the united center so i tone i don't know if you've been to any other arenas i've only actually been to one other arena in the nhl uh and that was actually little caesar's arena up in detroit um mm. But it, me too. I've been there, and not the. Yeah. I've been to the Joe Louis Arena, not the. the okay, I, I've been to yeah. the new one. I've been to the new one. I, I never made it to Joe Louis before they ripped it down. But, um, no, I, I, I think the the atmosphere at games is great. 
Um, the the pregame starting off with that is incredible. Um, they they give an entire background on all the different you know Native American tribes that inhabited the land, why the Blackhawks own the name Blackhawks because of Chief Blackhawk and the history behind that and the kind of the the partnership that they've created with a lot of the Native American nations that still occupy the area and, and what that means to the organization, which is really cool. And then they go from there into their great intros. You see all the history, all the black and white photos of the teams in the 30s and then the 60s, and then obviously the the what we consider the golden era of Blackhawks hockey in our lifetimes for sure in the in the most recent runs of Stanley Cups. But all of that, the the music is great in game before the game. Um, the speaker quality is phenomenal. Hearing Gene Honda's voice on the PA is always a treat. Uh, he's he's an absolute Chicago legend. He he does the White Sox PA as well. He does University of Illinois football down in Champaign, Illinois as well. He's uh, very widely known in the Chicagoland area and Chicago sports, but um, it's great, honestly. And and they, they do such a good job. The the in-game stuff is great. They've incorporated live music now into the intro. They have people with uh, trumpets and trombones and stuff for the opening. And uh, it, it's it's pretty spectacular. Like The atmosphere is great. And then uh, when the team's great, I mean, the the anthem is the the biggest tradition uh, in, yep. in Chicago. The, you know, get loud for the anthem, which is obviously very, uh, um, on a, you know, very different Patriotic. than everywhere else in the uh, in the in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's cool, man. I. I still remember my first game, uh, my first ever Blackhawks game I went to was in 2008. So uh, this was Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves' second season in the NHL. And um, just the roar, the roar during the anthem of the fans is, it's deafening when the team is good. I love that. Um, love that. It's packed to the gills. It's a sold out crowd. You know, the last couple of years, you don't always get those. The anthem might not have the same, you know, kind of kick you in the teeth like it did during those those years but um tony can attest to this so we have obviously american thanksgiving is a lot later than canadian thanksgiving um ours is usually the the last full thank you for the sales by the way yeah thank you for the sales (laughs) we uh so we, you know, our our Black Friday is kind of becoming Black Hawks Friday. They always play a game at like two o'clock in the afternoon because a lot of people are off of work. Tony and I got to take that game in. It was against uh, a team you guys both probably hate in the Maple Leafs. The Hawks beat them, uh, swept the season series against the Leafs, too. So we uh, we did our job taking down the boys in the six. But um that day felt like the old UC again. Uh, the crowd was crazy, you know, a great shift from the, you know, the team when they needed it coming into that second period, they were down a goal. Everybody's roaring on their feet, you know, just consistent pressure. Um, I, I'm still chasing the high of Korchinski winning it in overtime and the place just erupting into absolute pandemonium. Um, mm. The in-game sound and the atmosphere is unreal. Uh, it's, it's, it's really special at the UC, especially when the team's good, when they're really good. Uh, the anthem is deafening. Uh, your, your heart will pound through your chest. And when they score a goal, you're just going to, everybody loses their minds. It's, uh, it's, it's a special experience at the United Center. Awesome. Um, so well said, Ron, this is a treat. This, I just want to be there right now, like listening to this, <laughs> to be honest with you. And I, March knows like how much I like loud places and big uh, energy yeah. uh, i'm a huge oh, yeah. yeah yeah so um <laughs> next question march i'm gonna kind of change it here we usually ask what's uh what's like the, the mascot and the fan interaction just in case we do the way we talk about greedy in philadelphia or up in montreal but 
Um, I'm going to change it up here a little bit. I'm going to ask you a different question. Sorry for putting you on the spot, but correct me if I'm wrong. Chicago is the first team to ever ask the players questions with the mic while the fans are still there after the game. Is that true or were they the first team to ever do that? You know, like the post-game interview with the yeah. first star. I'm not sure if they're the first team to do it. I wouldn't be surprised. I I'm remember sure. it yeah. pretty much my entire life of watching hockey. There being um, an interview with with fans there, and it's always been uh, mic'd up so that the the rest of the crowd can hear it as well as the TV broadcast. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've just known that. I I figured that was everywhere, Danny. So you're telling me something, well, and I I'm going, something. wait, why don't why didn't you guys have that luxury? We have it now. Okay. And it's done by usually by the broadcast guy, whoever is is like it's usually RDS or TVA sport. It's it's one of those two guys, uh, and it's it's either Renaud Lavoie or Marc Denis in Montreal. Um, but the the reason I asked this March is because I remember when Marc Bergevin was hired from the Chicago organization to be the GM in Montreal. Uh, I remember like saying, oh, well, maybe now we're going to have interviews on the ice. So I just remember thinking about that. So I don't I don't think other teams do that uh, unless I'm mistaken. But um, yeah, just something I wanted to mention. Um, in my mind, they are the inventors of that thing where they, they usually have that that woman from I don't know, MSNBC or whatever, like that blonde woman. I think she I remember her interviewing Kelly Kroll uh, back in the day. I think so, yeah. And then yeah. she, she would like, in, she would oh, like interview Panarin or Marion Hosa or whatever, like you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 changed that role. Uh, kind of that third broadcast person has kind of evolved over the years. Um, now it's sometimes one of the two in stadium hosts. Uh, right. Uh, notably, I think usually Jenna Rose is the one that takes that nowadays. Um, but sometimes it's Darren Pang this year. Um, the Hawks have been switching it up where he's not always up in the booth with Chris Foster. Sometimes he'll be between the benches like he is on national TV. Um, even if it is just him and, and Vosters on the broadcast. Um, so sometimes it'll be Panger doing it as well, which is really cool when he gets to talk to the guys. Um, he actually was uh, the against um, the Islanders, the most recent home game when they beat the Islanders mm. in OT and ultimately got uh, the head coach fired and and ultimately led to Patrick Waugh being inserted as head coach. Um, yes. Panger was between the benches that night, so he did the interview with Seth Jones as the number one star. But, yeah, um, usually one of the three stars. It's typically the number one star, but sometimes it's the number two or three star, depending on kind of who wants to speak. Um, but there's – there's been some of some electric sound bites and and just memorable clips that have come from that. Whether it's you know Patrick Kane talking about the you know best fans in the world during those cup runs, or um, you know more recently Connor Bedard saying like telling the Chicago faithful it's starting to feel like home and uh, it it'll get a good pop out of the fans. It's 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 a cool experience. It's cool to hear from those guys and it, it's kind of fun hearing them just kind of that raw reaction after the game and as a fan sitting there and and getting to take it all in at the same time. That's awesome. Um, next question here. I was actually going to ask. Um, we, we like to do this question because um, especially concerning teams or, or cities in that sense that really have it in for all sports. Um, most recently we did our, I think our last deep dive, right? Danny was the New York Rangers. Um, definitely a city and a state that loves sports. Uh, it was crazy. You search up pro sports in the state of New York and there's like a, a, a gazillion. Um, with Chicago 
maybe not a gazillion, but we know there's some some pretty good ones out there. Um, but in terms of hockey, how large is hockey in Chicago? Like, is it, I don't know if you guys could rank it. Um, and in terms of hockey in Chicago for other things, such as minor hockey teams, community stuff, um, you know, is, is going for public skates at your local rink something big? Uh, I know here in Vancouver, that's a, that's a huge thing. I think uh, Danny can say the same for Calgary. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, in Calgary and Vancouver, I mean, it's not like we have the NBA team and an MLB team and all this stuff, right? So mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that? And Tony, I, if, I don't know if you want to answer this. Sure, absolutely. So I've I've been on this earth a little bit longer than Ron has. Um, I know okay. you said that uh, his first hockey game was what did you say, two thousand and eight? Mine my was first 90- Black, my first Blackhawks game. Yes. Yeah, mine was mine was ninety seven. So when yes. I was growing up, it was not exactly a popular sport in Chicago mm. at all by yep. any stretch of the imagination. I sort of fell in love with hockey for for two reasons one i happened to live on a street that was inhabited by three or four other uh, kids around my age who all happened to play for the travel hockey team out here in the south burbs um ron you might be familiar with them the vikings um okay Mm -hmm. so i was like sort of a designated goalie for these kids who all played travel hockey um and i had no hockey experience whatsoever um, the second reason to that is um, my aunt works at a, a hotel downtown that had a, a season ticket plan with the Blackhawks. Um, and okay. one of her coworkers was a huge uh, Blackhawks fan and would they would frequent the games and I would I'd get the opportunity to go with them from time to time. Um, on top of that, my, my grandma grew up a huge fan of the Blackhawks back when Bobby Hall played. Um, I mm. just she loved Bobby Hall. So um, there was always hockey on around me growing up, but until you couldn't watch the home games on TV, which was, which was a thing out here for some odd reason, but people really didn't take to hockey so much. And it didn't really change until Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, and that golden area that you're talking about here with the Blackhawks winning all these cups, hockey went from, an afterthought in the city of Chicago to, if not probably the most prominent thing that people were watching from 2010 through 2017 before it died off and and everything sort of just slowed down a little bit. Chicago's always going to be a bears town. Football is, is always going to take the cake over, over the Blackhawks. And I would say that we have uh, a healthy appetite for, for both basketball and baseball in this city as well. Um, you, can, you can't ignore that uh, Michael Jordan existed and, and the Bulls also won six NBA championships in the, in the mm-hmm. 90s there. So it was never really a thing. Now it's exploded after that. So in terms of like community ice rinks, those became a thing really around when I was a senior in high school, right around 09. They started to put in a lot more outdoor rinks um, in, in some of the communities within the suburbs. Um, we've always had ice, like indoor ice rinks um, scattered throughout the suburbs. Um, there's actually a development that's going on down the street from my house. Um, it's going to be a giant hockey and skating training center here in Lockport, Illinois. Um, okay. and they're going to be building the world's largest hockey stick. It's actually going to be visible if oh, I go on my roof. 
Um, there's cool. some town in Canada that has it right now, and they're really pissed at my community because we're going to build <laughs> one that's just a little bit larger. Um, so if you look up the stories online about world's largest hockey stick, you can sort of deduce where the discourse is on this. But that is the reason why hockey is what it is right now. It's oh. it's Patrick Kane, it's Jonathan Taves, it's Marion Hosa, it's Brent Seabrook, Duncan Keith, and all those cup-winning teams. Um, it, well, it's, Tony, it's certainly – don't forget about Rocky Wirtz taking over the team. So that was a big thing. And I know where it's on our agenda for talking about ownership and history, but um, when William Wirtz owned the team, uh, as Tony briefly mentioned, the, the home games were not on TV. And for me, that was a big reason as a younger kid, I didn't watch Blackhawks hockey. Uh, right. I actually was more invested in the Chicago Wolves, which is the AHL team here locally. They play up in Rosemont, which is up near O'Hare airport. Um, and they were very good in the 90s and the 2000s. They have, what, five Calder Cups in just a little over 20 years of existence. Uh, been a very prominent AHL franchise. And Rocky assumed ownership of the team when his dad died in just before Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves' rookie season. And the first thing they did, they put the t- team back on TV. They brought in John McDonough from the Cubs to run promotions and PR. And and I, I that they hit at the right time that they had Marion Hosa, Jonathan Taves, Kane, Keith, Seabrook, all these personalities. And they marketed the Blackhawks better than any sports team. I think in my lifetime has been marketed during that run. And uh, just to echo what Tony said, it exploded. Now you're starting to see kind of the wave of these kids that grew up in Chicago during those years. And they did a really NHL. They did a really good job with it too. Like my son, he doesn't play hockey anymore, but he got the opportunity to through the Blackhawks. So they did a program called Little Blackhawks. Um, This started, I want to say sometime around 2016, 2017. My son did the inaugural one. For 150 bucks, they gave your kid a full set of gear, a bag, a stick, and you got to do about 10 lessons with an NHL instructor. So Ben Eager was out there on the ice every Sunday morning um, just to introduce kids to hockey. And it was an incredible deal because you're not going to be able, like that it is an expensive free. sport. It's and free. this was basically mm-hmm. free hockey lessons and interaction with instructors. And they, they did one of these sessions in almost every town. It was incredible. Um, and then that came with tickets for, you know, four people to go to a game. Um, I mean, they did all the fittings at the United Center in that atrium, um, autograph signings with some of the cup winning players. I mean, the, the stuff that they've done to pour into hockey in the Chicagoland area is just unbelievable comparative to what I've seen any other team do, um, you know, for, for youth as, as well here. So I, I, that's awesome. I'd be remiss not to, to mention that to you guys on this for doing a, a deep dive here. I think it's they're still running that program now. I don't know if it's gone up in price. I'm sure it has. Everything costs a lot more than it did a couple of years ago. But it it was a way to get kids who may or may not, you know, even have the ability to play hockey, at least a taste of, of what the sport is. And I think that that's super important. That's awesome. Well said. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, you really put some distaste in my mouth by mentioning this hockey stick thing. You guys are taking away this Guinness World Record from a town right by me, <laughs> and on Vancouver Island. 
you, you bastards. <laughs> Excellent. Well done. And, and you know what the mayor said of Lockport? He said, go big or go home. Man, get the... That's my mayor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like it. Jeez. Anything to take away so, from China. I mean, that, you, and, you, and, and I do, uh, Danny, you should search this uh, hockey stick up. This is crazy. I search, I search it up, yeah. Good yeah. thing Look at all the Teslas around it, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I always mess with, with March about Vancouver and, like, uh, the predominant... Uh, yeah, anyways. Okay, well, again, we're sticking too much to Vancouver. Yeah, but good for you guys. Yeah, uh, Vancouver deep dive. Anyways. Um, um, well, Danny, do you have anything else? Or should I get into the... No, the I mean, I just want to say, like, people, people talk about the Montreal Canadiens Foundation building arenas, community arenas, and it's nothing compared to what Tony was describing. So, um, mm-hmm. just to show you that a lot of negative things are on the media right now about the Chicago Blackhawks, or as of late, you know, the recent years. But uh, we gotta highlight the positive things as well that they do. So, um, okay, yeah, exactly, 100%. Um, okay, current team roster, guys. Um, now this is gonna be fun. Okay. Well, well, hold on. I just want to say we've done we've done half an hour here. We've covered we've covered you know their podcast. We've covered the fan experience. Uh, we kind of covered the city and and what hockey means for that city. Uh, in terms of team roster, I won't hold it against you guys if you don't want to spend half an hour talking about. Hold on, let me look up the roster here. Who do you even have uh, on the IR? You have an you have an all star team. They're, yeah, the most of the team is on the IR. Ron and I yeah. talk about this stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we're gonna do a. I mean, who the hell is Cole Gutman? I mean, come on, like, is, are these <laughs> even real names? Like, so. Okay. Uh, yeah, go ahead, March. I don't wanna. Uh, section. Go ahead. Um. Okay, so I was gonna mention the rebuild is no secret. All right. However, I couldn't help but looking at Cap Friendly. Where will this team be next year? Considering it literally looks like over half of your roster is going to expire at the end of the mm-hmm. season. Um, a question in Montreal has always been, you know, if we can't draft, then there's two other options. You trade or you assign in free agency. Obviously, guys are hopping off the market here with, uh, um, like, Nylander and stuff like that. So it's not like you guys are going to have the, the, the cream of the crop here in, in free agency. But are there, And we can actually incorporate a little bit of the your AHL team and your prospects. What is going to fill in this gap? Are a lot of these guys going to be re-signed? Are a lot of these going to be filled up by prospects in the system? Or are you guys going to look to trade some picks that you've accumulated for package deals that can maybe build around Bedard? Any thoughts on that? This is Ron's question. Uh, around Bedard and Celebrini, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> See, Tony? Oh, yeah, Somebody else believes too. No, I... Uh, Why did you say I didn't believe, Ron? I never, I never said you didn't believe, but you, you've been very uh, down on the Hawks lately, Tone. So I'm just trying to, you know, I'm just trying to tell you. High, that I want to be high, high on the Hawks. I don't want to. Uh, hey, Danny know. is is Tony in the situation. He, yeah. he will complain no. about every Habs player. It's it's yeah. fair. No, I I'm a, I'm a numbers nerd, so that's why Tony's deferring this question to me. Um, yeah, they uh, <laughs> it's no secret they're losing a lot of money off the books next year. Guys like Nikita Zaitsev, four and a half million, five million from Tyler Johnson, another four point one from uh, an, a guy that was in your backyard, uh, um, March and Um And oh. yeah, even Jared Sonordi as well. 
Um, okay. But, you know, they've, they've extended a few guys that they, they see as kind of veteran leadership for this team going forward. Nick Foligno uh, is getting a little bit of a bump for the next two years, four and a half million dollars per season. Uh, Jason Dickinson just got a nice raise, 4.25. Uh, he's having his best offensive career season. Thanks, Vancouver, for him. Um, and, uh, and they've also just today, literally, uh, as we're talking about this, Peter Mrazek got a two-year deal also um, right at about the 4.25 mark. So they, they've made some of the dollars back up. They're certainly going to have to pay some guys as well um it, it's no secret i mean seth jones is on the books till the end of time at nine and a half i was about to say that, yeah <laughs> yeah he's 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 helping he's helping accumulate some of that cap but again they'll get taylor hall back next year he's six million dollars uh murphy and andreas athanasiu are still over four million bucks as well against the cap they'll sign some mm-hmm. guys and this is something that tony hates when i say it because it's just it's true and it's what kyle davidson has kind of laid out for Blackhawks faithful, but uh, they were never going to be in on a guy like William, William Nylander. They're not, they're not going to blow their load in this free agency class and, and create a cap problem. Um, they'll get to the floor. Um, they'll, they'll be there. Uh, they're really trusting in what they're doing and, and what they're building in, in terms of drafting. Uh, they are not stupid. They know what Connor Bedard's going to cost in two years after this one, um, mm-hmm. as well as Kevin Korchinski, who was their first round pick in 2022. Um, he's, played as a, a 19 year old now 20 year old in the NHL and has held his own. Alex Vlasic is going to need a nice raise. Um, a guy that just nationally does not get enough love. Um, but metrically, if you, if you're a big, you know, under the radar stats guy um, defensively, he's one of the best defensemen in the NHL by a lot of grades, by a lot of different outlooks. Uh, he's mm-hmm. beautiful. He's an incredible player and a guy that uh, tying back into the community outreach, he is a, a Chicagoland native. So um, a guy that, you know, this team sees as a pillar on the, on the blue line, he'll need a nice extension. He'll probably get, somewhere in the range of four and a half to $5 million probably per season for maybe two to three years if he takes a bridge contract. So they'll, they'll get to the floor. Um, I think they'll add some guys. I don't think they're going to be totally dormant in free agency. Um, after the season, I don't think they're going to just sit on their hands completely. They'll bring guys in. Uh, it's just going to be guys that are probably going to be more short-term deals. So probably in that two to three year range versus the five to six year range. And they might be willing to overpay a guys for those short term because they're going to have the cap space to do so. A guy that mm-hmm. I've floated that I would love to see. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I would love to Stamkos. see it would be a guy like Steven Stamkos. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, a couple of seasons. That, now that's going to be a nice, I, that'd be a nice yeah. fit. It would be, you know, you put him on the, on the right wing with Bedard and, and Taylor Hall and you say, Hey, go, uh, go make sure Bedard scores 50 goals this year. And he goes, aye, aye, captain. Um, and you can pay him a little more than probably what a lot of the contending teams are going to be able to pay him because of the cap space available to the Blackhawks. So I think they're going to do some stuff, but they were never going to be in on Nylander giving him $11 million per year for seven years. They probably aren't going to be in on guys like Jake Gensel who are doing very, you know, pretty favorable pay raise, even though I'd love to see Jakey G in Chicago, but that's neither here nor there. Um, So they'll do some things, but it's going to be a lot of short-term focus because they want to keep that flexibility on the roster for a, when Bedard gets the mega contract, because we just know it's going to happen the way he's already played as an 18 year old Um, Korchinski. And, and they got some guys coming kind of, you know, transitioning this to the, the prospects a little bit. Oliver Moore was their second first round pick this year. He played on the the U.S. World Juniors team, as did Frank Nazar, who was uh, chosen actually with the draft pick that we got from the Montreal Canadiens for Mr. Kirby Doc. So, um, you know, those guys, you know, Nazar probably especially will have a chance at the NHL, I think, next year after his second year now at University of Michigan. Um, Moore will probably go back to college for one more season. 
but the Hawks have a ton of prospect capital, uh, you know, guys like Colton Doc, uh, Kirby's little brother is still a, a prospect. Um, Gavin Hayes is, has been a, a player that's been interesting to watch up in the, uh, the Canadian juniors. A guy I really like is Nick Lardis. Uh, he's been scoring a, a shit ton with the Hamilton Bulldogs. Um, he's a player that I'm I'm very high on. They've got some good defensemen too playing down in Rockford right now. Nolan Allen was their first round pick from a couple of years ago. Ethan Del Mastro is another name uh, that they'll keep an eye on. But uh, they they have way no too Marcel much. Marcel yeah. mentioned Ron. I was going to leave that one for you, Tony, because I just wanted to talk about draft picks really quick because I like to use the cupboard uh, guys of you know the the cupboard analogy right like mom goes to the grocery store and she buys groceries for three weeks and you have a nice full cupboard that's kind of what the blackhawks have in terms of prospect capital right now in ter- especially in terms of draft picks they have two mm-hmm. first round draft picks in the next two years they have three second rounders this year two second rounders next year three in 2026 they have two third rounders this year so th- those first three rounds is where they've really built up a lot of capital they had a huge draft just this past year as well um so they're really trying to build from within they're trying to hit on those high percentage draft picks which are typically your guys that go in the first three rounds mm-hmm. and uh you know they that's that's really the way that kyle davidson has emphasized that they're going to build this thing is organically and when the time comes that they're getting close and they need a piece or two that's when i think we'll you know we'll see what they it, it's i think it's gonna what they're gonna try and do and it's never gonna be the exact same but uh, at least in the same kind of thought process as what they did with those cup teams uh, they were close, right? They had the pieces. They had Troy Brower, who was homegrown, obviously Taves and Kane and Keith and Seabrook. And, you know, they had the the depth even was somewhat homegrown, but you had to go out and get a, a Marion Hosa to help you compete, a Brian Campbell to fill in on the blue line. Yeah, those 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 moves are coming. Um, I just they're not going to be this season. And, and there's a lot of fans that are impatient. Um, and I, I understand why I'm, I find myself being impatient as well at times but uh, it's coming and they just they want to build it the right way because unfortunately it just is the truth Stan Bowman depleted the system in terms of any actual developmental talent they couldn't develop a player to save their lives Kirby Doc is a beautiful example of that and now you know it, it really is Kyle Davidson having to completely restock this farm system and, and their prospect capital because you know, it's one thing when you're competing for championships and you're trading away first round picks and, and top prospects to go get guys to win cups. It's another thing when you're doing the same thing when in years that you're not even making the playoffs and you're just continuing to deplete your prospect pool. So that's kind of where it is right now. It's a lot of forward thinking uh, on the front of the roster for the Blackhawks. But there's a lot of guys on the current roster that have been fun to watch this year. I think Tony can agree with me there because uh, they they very much have shown that they are going to be pieces of this thing in the, in the near and long term future. I'm I'm glad you mentioned the I was going to actually you pretty much took the words out of my mouth. I was going to mention the draft picks as well because I'd say, I I talked about where well, I started talking about how Montreal and and its inability to draft but then you know looking at the Blackhawks and their pick this year I mean you have a chance at Macklin Celebrini and like it's it's you guys don't necessarily need to look outside the box as much all you have to do is get the right picks and the right drafts. I mean, Montreal is de- definitely hasn't had the best hand in, in drafts. Um, our recent first overall pick isn't close to the mo- most recent 
NHL first overall pick, you know, Bedard versus Slavkovsky. And that's just telling you you have to get in the right drafts. And if you guys are tanking, so like what I'm saying is last year you get Bedard, this year you get a very good player in Macklin Celebrini, possibly. I mean, right now I think you guys have the second best odds. Um, I mean, that's the Sharks going on a little run to tie us in points, baby. Woo! And that's where I say, and this, and you, you, like I said, you're almost taking the words out of my mouth because I was going to talk about certain players. Um, I was going to ask you, so your thoughts, and this can come from either one of you, on losing players like Kirby Doc amongst trading others like Debrinket and Boakfist. The reason I say that, and you know, like I wouldn't care if they were, you know, Taves, Kane, and Keith or whatever, but for this, these are young players, and it, are are you guys? Are you guys moving on from these guys because of the Stan Bowman era in terms of not being able to, you know, develop them properly? Or is this where you're saying, okay, well, we got the capital in terms of the draft. They want to secure the tank. Kirby Doc doesn't help you with that. No, but Kirby Doc never had. yeah, Yeah, it's true. Kirby Doc never really did much. Like, like Kirby Doc was one of my favorite players coming out of that draft, aside from Cole Caulfield. Um, so Mine too. the thing, yeah. So, and, <laughs> and when it, you drafted him, I was like, this guy is legit. And mm-hmm. I, and aside from his injuries in Montreal, the guy is legit and yeah. I could just see, and he's young. It's not like, like, and talking about Boakfist and Dorinka, these guys haven't even hit their prime and you don't see a rebuilding team trading young players like this. And, but now, at the end of the day, it's worked out because you guys now have Bedard, who's 18, doing what he's doing, plus all this draft capital that can now just draft another center like Celebrini and who knows what else. So it's not like you guys shot yourself in the foot by drafting Bedard and then signing us. Uh, like, you know, like Montreal has Anderson and, and Gallagher signed until the end of time and you know, we just signed our two top players and and we're at the, the 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 top of the cap and yet we're seventh in the league. You guys have to get to the floor. So you guys have so much room to succeed, but to fail. So don't like I mentioned the whole free agency thing, but I think what you guys need to do is just build around Bedard, which is what I was going to ask next. How do you build around Bedard? Because obviously Danny and I are very familiar with building around a certain star and not succeeding aka here's another montreal reference montreal and Kerry price so mm. how would you build around bedard and i think obviously a first answer to that would probably be macklin celebrini but what else i'll i'll just start off right here because ron and i had a very heated conversation about this the other night <laughs> <laughs> um so ron ron's always sort of told me to be patient with some of this stuff but you know, I'm, and in my baseball fandom, I just watched a team completely gut their entire roster to try and build around prospects that that never worked out. And this is a a thing mm-hmm. in sports, you know, just the the rebuild, the constant rebuild, or as we call them, a perpetual rebuild. And that's not yeah. what you want to see here, because eventually you wind up with um, very frustrated fans, and um, you know, just a lot of empty promises. And it, it it's yeah. really toxic for your fan base um Mm -hmm. i don't think the blackhawks have the right 
pieces right now to tell you what you need to put the finishing touches on anything. And Macklin Celebrini sounds fucking fantastic to me right now as a, as another <laughs> member of the Blackhawks, but I don't, that's not guaranteed by any stretch of the imagination. You still yes. have to get through the draft lottery. You still have to yep. get, you know, to the point where is, is, is he clear cut? Uh, there's going to be even, even Connor Bedard, there were articles that were running, like up until he was drafted, are the Blackhawks going to take him? You never know what a GM mm-hmm. is going to do when you go into these drafts. Um, so yes, I want him on this team, but then I still think like, even though there's that part of me that says we should be out there at the top of the market with the way the salary, we need to get to the salary floor. There's room to make that big, sexy move to bring somebody in here. Ron is correct in the, in the sense that, there is not oh look at him looking around. Ron, Ron's very correct in this that Bedard is still so young and you still need to figure out what those guys, those young guys are gonna cost. And you can't put yourself in another position where you do have to ship out guys like Artemi Panarin or Alex DeBrinket or you know Tavo Teravide. There were so many of these guys that were collected in Chicago underneath Stan Bowman. That became and, and to break, it's not really a cap casualty, but this is this is something I told Ron the other day. I'm so used to the Blackhawks when they're good, living in cap space hell, where mm-hmm. after you have a successful year, whether or not it meant that you won a Stanley Cup, if you're in the playoffs, there is one guy on that roster that you love that is going to leave your team. They're not in the position right now where they're anywhere close to that happening. But as you inch up closer to it, you want to see some of the young kids take some steps first and then identify who that guy is that's going to be on the market and be a leader. That might not be for two or three years. And so while I'm very impatient with it, Ron's correct. I don't know what the answer is here. I don't have a crystal ball. I think a guy like Macklin Celebrini drastically changes what type of talent that this Blackhawks team would need to bring in to put the finishing touches on something. But for me, it's really going to be about goaltender development. Do they have somebody in the I was system? I going to ask about that. Yeah. yeah, well, I'm the goalie guy, so Ron knew I was going here. Is Drew Camasco going to be your goaltender of the future? You're probably two years away from even him having a, a, the, the largest workload. You just extended Peter Mrazek for two years, even if he's the backup or sharing 50-50 with a guy like Drew Camasso in – the second year of that contract, you still don't know if he's going to be your number one guy going in. Are you going to need to spend money at that position? Because that's kind of going to be the the key to this. Will they be able to develop a young goaltender that they don't have to spend a ton of money on somebody else, bringing them in from the outside to be your number one goalie when this thing is ready to go? And that's sort of what I've been keeping an eye on. Ron, any, any thoughts? Yeah, just to to kind of add, because I think I think Tony hit on so many great points, but kind of looping back in some of the the points you brought up, March, in terms of like Alex DeBrinket and Adam Boakfist and and Curtis mm-hmm. Knock. Uh, DeBrinket, I think, was strictly they saw an opportunity to get a ton of assets back, and they did it. Uh, they didn't have a first round pick uh, in that draft. They ended up getting three of them through the Kirby Doc trade, through the DeBrinket trade, and then ultimately by ironically acquiring Peter Morazic as a cap casualty from Toronto uh, for that first round pick and ultimately taking Sam Renzel in that draft. Um, Hey, we love it. But um, (laughs) no, they, I I think 
Kyle Davidson as a general manager is interesting because he was he's been in the front office of the Blackhawks since 2013. He's been a part of those teams that failed to develop talent. And I think a large reason why he ultimately had the interim tag removed and kept the job after an extensive search. I mean, the Blackhawks interviewed probably six or seven different candidates for the GM opening is because he probably I'm guessing is he said we failed. We failed at at at, at developing. We didn't put enough of emphasis on that. And we should and we're going to because mm-hmm. the Blackhawks like. There's so many, and I, I hate using this term, but there's so many ignorant hockey fans that believe Stan Bowman was the architect of those Blackhawks teams, and he wasn't. I was going to say, uh, arc, uh, stupid fans and also news reporters, based on what you were talking about last night on your live. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that guy, I, I won't even I, go there. Right I don't, don't want to bring it up again. I want to bring yeah, that up. That, that one. You're going to yeah. get them all hot and bothered, Dan. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just well, it's, well, it's what it, 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 they, they, they drafted well. I mean, Keith was a draft pick. Seabrook was a draft pick. Crawford was a draft pick. Jalmerson was a draft pick. Taves and Kane, they hit at the top of the draft. Andrew which, yeah, Andrew Shaw. And then they they had some of those guys to, to sustain the success over the years. Shaw, Saad. But really – Sean Sod were the really only the two success stories in terms of guys that were drafted by Bowman that actually worked out with the Blackhawks, as Tony said, right? We, we were so used to watching Tuvo Terravine and go and become uh, at least a, a, a very good top six player in Carolina for all these years. You know, we, we got used to watching, you know, these picks be traded away and, and then become other things. We, we got accustomed to watching mm-hmm. Artemi Panarin be shipped off because they were afraid they weren't going to be able to re-sign him. I think in the Debrinket case, it was capitalizing on a player, but I think in the case of Boakvist and, and Doc, it was it was Kyle Davidson understanding that the organization failed those players in terms of their development, epically failed them. And, and, and a large part of that was Stan Bowman wanting to rush these guys to the NHL to try and win more cups with Taves and Kane. And I get it, right? Mm-hmm. You want to maximize your championship window. You want to try and win as many as possible. But by doing that, they didn't become the players that could have kept that sustained success going, right? Because they were rushed and because they were doing that. And they didn't draft well under Stan Bowman. That was a very key thing. Had they drafted better under Bowman, they probably would have been in a better situation in those 17, 18, 19, 20 years that we've just run through where they were a middling the pack team because they were holding on for dear life. And who knows? And if Jeremy they draft Calvin. better. Yeah, that too. But had they had they drafted better, right? Maybe those MVP seasons from Patrick Kane become Stanley Cup seasons, not barely miss the playoffs or get to the playoffs and get bounced in the first round. And yeah. I think that's where Kyle Davidson wants to go with it now is they want to draft properly. And I think they've done a good job. Alex Vlasic, I'm sure, was a guy that, you know, Kyle Davidson had a hand in. And I think you've seen it with some of his draft picks. He likes big guys. He's not afraid to draft size, which was something which was, yeah, which was something that Stan Bowman did not do. It was a lot of small players, guys that were quick. You know, I think Davidson's influence became more and more relevant in the draft process when they started getting bigger in the draft. Vlasic was one of those guys they developed organically and is now thriving. Kevin Korczynski looks like he's going to be another guy that fits that mold. You know, even a guy like Isaac Phillips, who was a late round draft pick, if I remember correctly, he's he was either a fifth or a seventh round draft pick and is getting NHL time. You know, you got to be able to to do that. And I think that's where they want to get to now 
so that they can in the future when the cap casualty problems do exist and Tony and I are sitting here sweating about who's going to get lost because they just had a great (laughs) season. You have a guy maybe down in Rockford that maybe isn't going to come up and be that same player right away, but he's at least going to give you an NHL ready player that's going to continue to develop. And then you have kind of that staggering of timelines that you get what, like what the Tampa Bay lightning have become. You get what, to an extent, the Toronto Maple Leafs have become. Obviously, I don't think they did it the right way, but that's neither here nor there. <clears throat> but to me, like the Tampa Bay Lightning are are one of the cornerstone franchises in terms of how to build and continue that success through the draft and yep. and replace guys with new guys. You know, I, I think you saw that for a little while with the Kings when they were on those runs before they had to blow it up. Um, you know, there, there's been a, a multitude Boston, Boston Bruins, I think were a team that was great with that for so many years, right? At one point it was the Bergerons and the Krejci's. Now it's, you know, Marshan's even aging, but now it's, you know, Pasternak and they've been able to do that too. And I think that's what the Blackhawks ultimately want to get to. So like Tony said, I, I think all of us want to see them sign somebody that's going to be a, a meaningful player. That's going to change. It's going to help Bedard. But you also want to make sure that they don't get into those cap casualty situations where you do go after, which, again, at the time, Anderson was coming off of a great season when Montreal gave him that contract. But it was one great season. And then he didn't continue to become that player. So that's where I think the Blackhawks are battling right now and saying we we know our young guys are going to need new contracts in the future. We're not ignorant to that. And I think they, when they do add those big pieces to fill in those holes, they're going to want to do it strategically when the time comes. So that that's kind of where it is right now. And again, I mean, the crazy thing is, is even though this team is atrocious in terms of the standings, they play hard. And I think that's one thing yeah. that Tony and I can sit here and agree on for the first time, probably since Joel Quenville was ultimately booted, was they got the coach right. Luke Richardson has been everything we had hoped for. And thanks to you guys, him coming over from Montreal. I mean, he's been sensational. He's he's as advertised. He's a player's guy. They want to play hard for him. I mean, let's be honest. That Islanders team is not a bad team, and they made them look stupid with half of their forward group being an AHL lineup. Yeah. And a lot of that is credit to him, too. So I think they got the coach right. I think they're doing it the right way. Now it's just as his talent continues to come along and the, and the time comes to add in free agency – I mean, I think next year they're a team that's fun and pushing for a playoff spot and maybe just quite not there yet. I think the year after that, though, they're they're going to be ready to make some noise and really try and do some damage when the Stanley Cup playoffs come around. Before D- Danny, before we move on from that, oh, I, um, I questions, just actually, but yeah, go ahead. March. Well, yeah, I was going to also mention um, uh, just tying back to what Tony was talking about in terms of the goaltending situation. Um just to, and and Danny will like me for this because I consider, and this is like my motto in terms of NHL opinions, okay, in in, in terms of my NHL opinions, is that goalies are voodoo. Um, you you can have them in your in your system for who knows how long, and they don't turn into anything. Um, I've seen uh, I've seen our sought for goalie prospects on our bench, you know, since the since the the plague, and uh, sought for CHL goaltenders of the year and now they're playing in the ECHL and um, the thing about it is you know so far like since Carey Price and you know this is a lot to say because of how good Carey Price was the best goalie that we've had I consider is our current starter Sam Montenbeau 
And he was a waiver pickup from Florida. And in Florida, he was nothing more than probably um, a maybe decent young backup. Not even like there was nothing sought for there. And he comes here over waivers. And now the guy is a legitimate and I consider him a legitimate goalie. Like the guy is good and he's becoming more and more consistent. So when I say like for you guys, if I was to say something to not worry about, I'd say probably the goaltending situation. I mean, it's easy for us to say, considering we've only really had one goalie for the past uh, two decades. However, um, it's they, you're not they, watching they, Arvid Soderblom give up soft goals right now, though. That's not on your screen, March. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but you now. go, but you go look at you go look at guys like Aiden Hill, who was not a goalie in this league. Like he was a goalie, but that was a 700k a year pickup in free agency because of like for the taxi squad at one point. Now he he won a Stanley Cup and he's considered one of the best. Uh, uh, goalies in the league for and and Cam Talbot, horrible. Like the guy was just this backup going team to team. Now he's well, he has a very good defensive LA Kings in front of him. However, turned his career around. So what I'm saying is, it literally takes, it, it's it's the right team, the right fit, the right coach, all this stuff for that one guy, and and that guy if he's solid between the pipes, and he doesn't flinch. That's what you want. And sometimes it doesn't come from your prospect pool, but if it doesn't, it's okay. I wouldn't go out and pay $10.5 million for a Bobrovsky. Hell right? no. But at the same time, you know, you can you can definitely, especially if you build that team around that goalie, because, you know, it's one guy behind between the pipes versus, like, five guys constantly swapping all the mm-hmm. time. You build those, like, if, if each pair, defensive pairing, and each uh, line, uh, forward line comes out and they're, they're great in terms of system and they can defend and they, they don't have the cracks. It doesn't really matter necessarily who's between the pipes. And I've learned that with, mm-hmm. you know, like our young defense in Montreal being better than it was with uh, like, geez, Montreal was not good for a while. And and it was just price doing like all the saving. Now it's yeah. like, I've, we got all these young kids that are coming up and it's like, oh, you know, like Montembeau's making saves, but at the same time, you're not, wondering like oh jesus yeah he's not alone exactly so i don't know if i had to say one thing the goaltending i've learned to think you know it, it it'll come it'll eventually come but oh, um and, and no, i'm glad and you that... i'm glad you mentioned it because um i was looking at your goaltending right before i ended that conversation i was like oh yikes what's uh <laughs> what's gonna go on here so, yeah we call him arvid swiss cheese Soderblom. um unfortunately right now <laughs> is the name of the game but no march you bring up a good point because like the, the one analogy that i always uh, have said like my dad and i always talk sports throughout the course of the day and and one of the things we talked about when it comes to the goaltending because he's always asked he's like well we were spoiled as Blackhawks fans. We had one great year of Anthony Emmy and then we, he left and we were like, Oh no. And then Corey Crawford developed into this, you know, arguably in our eyes, one of the, yeah, he's one of the greatest statistically goalies in franchise history behind the other two guys have their numbers in the rafters and Tony O and Glenn mm-hmm. Hall. So like, I always think back to those late nineties, early two thousands Red Wings teams. Chris Osgood was making like 700 K a year, but you mm-hmm. had an all-star team in front of him on the blue line and then in the forward group as well in terms of two-way forwards who could make his life easier and you don't invest as much in that position. I think it's important to continue to try to develop goaltending within your pipeline. But, Marsh, you put it perfectly. Like, to me, goalies in a lot of ways are very similar to, like, catchers in baseball, Mm -hmm. right? Like, it's volatile. They're not always going to be perfect. 
You know, if you have a really good one, even starting pitchers too, like you have a really good one that's great and you ride them and you pay them a lot of money and you want to keep them. But yeah. a lot of times you are just trying to fill holes in, in, in because it's a volatile position year to year. Yeah. So I look at Peter Mrazek is a perfect example of that currently with the Blackhawks last year. Yeah. We called him on four feathers podcast, the perfect tank goalie because he was, he was terrible. Mm-hmm. Every time mm-hmm. he was in net, they gave up four goals and they'd lose. Now this mm-hmm. year, He's the only reason this team is sometimes in games and it's just yeah. one to two year difference with the position. So agreed. Yep. I mean, I, I'm very much in that boat too. I still remember the the Panthers, their team I've followed for a long time. I used to call them Chicago South for a while when we kept sending Tomas Kopetsky and Brian Campbell down there uh, over the years in the two, in the 2010s. But like, Watching them pay ten and a half for Bob's, I freaked out because I was like, "Now you're probably you're probably just even this year for them, right? They they're gonna have to pick between Brandon Montour, Gustav Forsling, and Sam Reinhart. You maybe keep two of them. Yeah, one of them's going. Like you're not yep. gonna be able to keep all three unless they take sweetheart deals. So mm-hmm. it, it is yep. really that chess match because you invest so much money in in one position, and look how bad Bob's was until the playoffs. Like yeah. It's such a volatile position. So incredible argument, March. I can really yeah. agree with you there. You gotta, that. you gotta make sure, like, if you're paying that kind of money, that's the guy that's gonna, like, you know, Carey Price took us there, and our best center was Philippe Dano, and um, Oi, and well, he, I he legend us... Philippe Dano. <laughs> hey, how was uh, Dale Weiss and Thomas Fleischman doing for you? Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I actually loved Thomas Fleischman. I was, I like, actually liked him too. He's sucker. actually a decent goal scorer. With like, he I is. didn't mind him that season, and. I that was a player I somewhat cared about, and I didn't know anything. Like Philippe Dano wasn't really anything at the time, but then when he came into Montreal, I was like, "Holy mackerel, this guy's fucking decent." Yeah, um, he's a nice little player. <laughs> a really quick side note for you guys, so you guys can get a little quick insight into what Tony and I are, are going to inevitably say when we talk to each other later. Tony, this is the blow-up game that we talked about on the show last night. Yeah. This is it. Yep. Hawks are already down two nothing for those that are listening to this mm. podcast. For, as we're watching this, uh, Arvid Twisty yeah. Soderblom has just well that one was unfortunate. <laughs> that one bounced off of Latic shin pad and in, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Ron, Actually, before I, I say something I, about goalies though, uh, uh, can I just ask Ron a yeah, quick course. question, yeah, and then yeah, I'm going to put it right to you, Ron? Quick quiz, and Danny, you knew this was coming. Where does Martin Brodeur put stack up in your goaltending list of all time i mean statistically speaking he's the best of all time i mean he's got the most wins, but, that, but he also but, had a lot of longevity he had a lot of great teams in front of him he, um mm-hmm. he's up there i i'm a i'm a really i have a hard time making lists i like making tiers <laughs> he's in the, the up the highest echelon of goaltenders for me but that also includes okay. guys like Jacques plant patrick wah Right. Like some of yeah. the greats that have played the position over the course of, of, of history. So he's up there. Certainly. I, I don't know if I would necessarily peg him as the greatest of all time, um, but he is in that upper echelon for me uh, is Martin Broder. OK. Yeah, I just have some. <laughs> Do you listen to any episodes? I, I bring this guy up a, a, quite a bit and um, <laughs> I, I, I'd maybe put him not at one. But anyways, <laughs> a hot yeah. for me. Anyways, Danny. There we oh. go. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love Dominic. <laughs> we love Dominic Hoshek over here. So you uh, you get our supporting vote for that one. Hell yeah. Him and Eddie Eagle, <laughs> man. I can't believe those two were on the same team at one point. For goalies, I Danny, just want to say one thing. Like, there's arguments to be made on both sides. Like, I can argue that 
goalies are not important because look at Colorado and look at uh, San Luis, San Luis, and and I don't know what. I look at LA. Maybe, well, LA is not really a good example with Jonathan Quick, but you know, Carfrey Crawford is not even if he's best in, in in NHL history, he is still the equivalent at the time of of potentially uh, a team like um I don't know, like maybe he was like Mark Andre Fleury, I guess, to the to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, but also the other argument is if you end up building a really good team with a good core, but then you have no goalie, then you end up being like Edmonton or Toronto or or Buffalo or or yeah. all of these. Or, or you want an example as well, the Senators as well. What's the point of having Stutzla and and and, and Norris and and Kachuk and whatever if your goalie is is uh, this guy in the back? You know, like so. Uh, there's arguments to be made on both sides. Uh, you can get lucky. You can pick up a guy from waivers. You can sign a UFA. But also signing a UFA, like you guys mentioned, like we can always get a goalie from somewhere else. Yeah, ask Calgary how that worked out with Markstrom. Um, they saw Demko coming up the pipe, so they said, "Hey, you, you want a you want a UFA? Go ahead." They lost Markstrom for nothing. He walked. He walked yep. that 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 summer with Tanev, and he went to to Calgary and look at them. They don't they don't miss him one bit. So I don't know. <laughs> Um, just wanted yeah, to mention that about point. goalies. Um, uh, uh, question to you both, I guess. Uh, whoever wants to take it, take it. But um, is your core almost done now? Like, because you named a lot of players that weren't on my radar. But, you know, like, you guys never talked about Ry- uh, Reichel. Um, is it Reichel? Mm. What's his name? Uh, Lucas yeah, Reichel. Yeah. Yeah. You guys Lucas, never mentioned them. Um, he's currently stapled to the bench, Danny. Um, okay. He's been scratched. I think this is his second or third in a row, Ron. Now is he point. even playing tonight? No, he's not playing tonight. This is the second um, game in a row then that he's been a scratch. Yeah, isn't he supposed to be like one of your guys, like one of the the main pillars? No, you're asking that to question too. Yeah, yeah, but Kyle Davidson is like an open. Like this is the one of the first GMs I've ever seen openly admits to like tanking. <laughs> like I remember last year. Um, I think Reichel was having somewhat of a heater or something like that. I don't know if it was an NHL or the AHL, but they just sent him down or something like that. And it's like, well, you guys don't have much of a team. Why put Reichel down? And then I forgot what Davidson said. I'm pretty sure the guy mentioned something about tanking. So Mm -hmm. maybe they're still thinking like that, but I, I, I agree with Danny. Like I thought Reichel was, was that up? Like I could see that guy in your top six because he's a pretty skilled forward. So Reichel came into the season, they tried him out as the 2C um, to be kind of the Robin to Bedard's Batman. And he he had a great end of the year last year. He, Philip Kurashev, and Andreas Athanasiu had great chemistry down the stretch. Uh, they were probably the Hawks' best line, especially post-trade deadline once Max Domi and Patrick Kane moved on. And they, they had themselves a, a nice little end of the year. And uh, Davidson said that, you know, Reichel was going to be ready for the NHL. They believed he was an NHL-ready player. And uh, he's kind of lacked a little bit of the confidence and kind of the just that, you know, it almost looks like motivation on the ice. He looks he looks scared to make plays right now. He, he looks like he's just – he's not shooting. He's trying to make the pretty play every play. And it European almost feels like – European Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he is a German player. So, you know, it, I, I we've talked literally just about it on the, on the, our show yesterday. Um, one of the best things for him right be, right now might be to go down to Rockford and play in the AHL for a few games and play top line minutes and play 25, you know, or 20 minutes a game as a forward and say, hey, go get your swagger back. 
he had it. He was a great player in the AHL. He was an all-star. Yeah, he's a I mean, Two years he, in a row. Doing, yeah, doing a lot of great things. And he showed that he can do it at the NHL level, too. Just for some reason this year, and whether that's in part two, he's not a player that can drive offense by himself, but thrives with other talent around him. Uh, because mm. Kurashev, as we've seen this year, has really blossomed offensively. And and Andreas Athanasiu, even though he's kind of been an up-and-down player, has, certainly has the prowess. He's been a 30-goal scorer. He st- still scored 20 last year as well. Um, you know, I, I think that's Reichel's biggest issue right now. We've we've talked about Reichel. He's been a very hot topic of conversation on probably our last five or six shows, right, Tone? I mean, he he's gotcha. just he is he is one of the most puzzling players to us. But in the same breath, uh, Tony and Johnny are, are are White Sox guys. They've seen a failed rebuild. I'm a prospect nerd in just about every sport that there's prospects, so I'm in the same boat. Um, some guys don't work out, and I, not to say that he won't ever work out. I think right now, though, he's going through a phase of he needs to figure it out, and he he looks lost at times on the ice, and and that's really what's led to you know him being scratched at times and and just playing lower in the lineup because he's trying to do too much. He's not shooting when he should shoot. He's passing instead, and vice versa. And, you know, something's got to get the most frustrating player that we've watched on this Blackhawks team Mm -hmm. in terms of somebody with high expectations. um, Mm -hmm. You know, you're getting I I don't want to call him a bust yet, but you're definitely getting close to do you. I would say if he's not performing next year, he's going to lose his opportunity. I don't know about you, Ron. Well, he's he's a free agent at the end of the year. He's an RFA. He's he's probably going to get a contract from the Blackhawks, but it's not going to be for a ton of money. It's probably going to be for no more than three years. And he's, he's got to either prove that he can stick around and either become something in the NHL. Maybe that's not the, the star scorer, but maybe he's a depth scorer or maybe he's a, you know, a really nice second line winger. Uh, or he's going to quickly figure out that um, just because you're a first round pick doesn't mean you're going to make it in the NHL. Because I came into you, uh, this episode, I, yeah, that's very enlightening. Because I came into this episode, I'll be very honest. I, I came into this episode thinking that Korshinsky and Bedard were the only backbone of, of this rebuild, and we're still waiting for three more, three or four more pieces. But listening to you guys, you guys have highlighted Vlasic. I've never had him on my radar before. Uh, you talked about Nick Lardis being one of your favorite prospects as well, so I'll be keeping an eye on that. Um, you guys talked about Drew Comesso. I was not never on my list. And I thought that Lucas Reichel was one of them, but you're saying that he's not. So that's why I came asking, like, do you think that the the core is, even though it's very distant, some of them and they're in the Europe or AHL or whatever, do you think the core is there? Because if, if not, then we're still waiting on three more pieces or, or two more pieces. Uh, I personally think right now the core is at three. Um, that At least we know of at the NHL level, and that is number 98, Connor Bedard, Kevin Korchinski, and Alex Vlasic. I think that's the core. I think you can make the argument that Seth Jones is just by default part of that core because he's here for the next six years um, yeah. and has Him and his wheelchair. An, yeah. a no movement clause. I'll tell you what, though. I've I've very much been on this bandwagon, and, and we've seen it more this year. We really love Seth Jones. I think he's truly an underappreciated player. And it's because he got the big contract and everybody expected so much out of him. And the team was just atrocious. And by nature, it's hard to put up big points as a defenseman when the team around you is pretty terrible. But he plays 26, 27 minutes a night. There's only five or six guys in the NHL that do that regularly. He's big. 
he's he's a veteran in that locker room. He wears a letter with this current club. Um, you know, he's he's just a player that I think a lot of people just overlook and and bash for some of the wrong reasons. Is I'm he going to the All Star? No, there's no, no Blackhawks representative in the All Star no game. Um, Connor Bedard was replaced by Kyle Connor of the Winnipeg Jets. So. Um, yeah, no Blackhawks this year big in the big miss for TV ratings from uh, the NHL there. But yeah, um, I yeah. So I'll do this I March. Agree. Sorry for a little bit taking because I, I'm actually very interested in this. So I'll tell you if just two names and you say yay or nay, doesn't matter who. Oliver Moore. Yay. Yeah, I, I like what we're gonna get out of Oliver Moore, at least from the from the the profile here. Um, I, I think he's probably still two years away. Yeah. from touching the NHL or even sniffing it. But um, I liked that draft pick. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to go yay. I'll also go yay. Nazar. Frank Nazar. N- Nazar, yeah. Yay. Also a yay. Highest, highest graded player at the World Juniors this year. One of the best players on the World Junior USA team. Um, a lot of people don't know a lot about him because he was hurt for a large portion of his freshman season at University of Michigan. Um, he only ended up playing – I think only like 20 games. I, I don't think he got much time at all, but has had a really good year this year. The The world juniors was kind of his coming out party. He didn't score, but I think he put up like 10 assists <laughs> in the tournament. Um, he's, he's a guy that a lot of Blackhawks fans are very excited about. So yay. I'll agree with Tony there. Fulton doc. And that's the last one. Yeah. You uh, know, you never there's, know. There's still a lot. There's there's a lot I think that still needs to be kind of discovered with Doc. I think his profile is fantastic because he's a power forward and that's something the Blackhawks don't have a lot of in their prospect pool. Um, Unfortunately, like his brother, he's been hurt a lot and he's currently hurt right now. He's currently hurt right now, but when he's been on the ice in Rockford, I mean, he's been a difference maker. They need to be sponsored by a milk company or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, I think Kirby was just the more talented player at the end of it. Um, but Colton is still second round pick. So I, I like Tony's answer of the, 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 you um, <laughs> I think there's, I think he's a very much the jury's out kind of guy still. And we just need to see more hockey out of him before, you know, kind of really coming to a conclusion of yes or no. Mackenzie um, and Swill and, and, and Wills or whatever and, I can pronounce. Mackenzie and Whistle. Yeah. Entwistle. Entwistle, yeah. uh, we're we're big Mackenzie Entwistle guys at Four Feathers. Uh, if we're talking about him as a part of the core, nay. Um, but he's a fun player. He's big. He he's he's really truly a, a balls to the walls kind of player. He can play center and wing. Uh, he's got some offensive prowess, and he he's fun to watch. But um, okay. I think when it's all said and done, he's he's probably a nay in terms of core. Okay. Tony, thoughts That's on for me. Menti? You you hammered that one, Ronald. That was perfect. March what, Ronald? Uh, <laughs> that's the fun between the friends. Um, okay, March. Uh, what anything else from you before we move on? Um, I was just gonna say Alex Vlasic is a 2019 uh, dra- NHL draft selection. So he's already a Montreal Canadian, considering uh, Kent Hughes is collecting 2019 uh, yeah. players like uh, hey, Thanos that, and Infinity that Stones. Was... That was Stan Bowman with the, oh, Tone, help me out here, the 2016 or no, 2015 draft class with Anthony yes. Duclair and Dylan Strom. And yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've, we've been down that road before. We know what that looks like. 
Um, that's great. We don't have to spend too much time on this unless you guys want to. I know we've we've taken so much of your time already, and there's a game on going on, so I don't want to uh, extend it beyond uh, what's reasonable here. But I do want to. We wanted to talk about the the history. We would be idiots to do a a original six team uh, without going a little bit into history about them. Um, I'm going to tie into this to the previous topic. We're talking about uh, prospect pools and rebuilding teams. Um, in my mind, we, we, talk, we call them whatever you want. Dynasties, we can call them championships. We can call them, what was the other team, the terms that you guys used. But um, there's a difference between a one-time hit, like the, the St. Louis Blues, and some dynasty teams that are just repeating themselves every single time. When we talk about Chicago, you named all the players. I was a little bit curious why you're not naming Andrew Shaw or, or you know, whatever. But like we get it. Like it's it's a uh, uh, Brent Seabrook and and uh, and so on. Like all these players, all these players that were like for me characters. Same thing we had with LA as well with Toffoli and 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 Jeff Carter and and Brown and and King and all these guys. Um, Colorado again. You don't need me to to name all the players. So you get the point. What I'm saying. Um, in terms of history, when you said the golden era. Was it truly the golden era? We don't have to do a full history lesson here, but like in in your mind, when we talk about the, the Chicago Blackhawks, was that it? Other than me, having Chelios and, and having previously uh, Bobby Hall. Uh, and, yes, I I think for me yes because you accumulated multiple cups in a very short period of time. And Danny, you mentioned the players' names, and again, just for sake of brevity, we don't have to name them all, but. Yeah. That sort of speaks to why it was the golden era. I mean, you're talking about household names in not only the city of Chicago, but at, at, at for anybody who watches hockey. And you're talking about fourth line guys, you know, Marcus Kruger, Andrew Shaw, you know, just like guys that we could sit here and name all these names for the next hour yeah. of yeah. people that had such an impact on the franchise and such an impact on, you know, playoff teams, cup run teams. And that's, that's what made it the golden era. The, the biggest difference right now with Blackhawks hockey, and, and you said it earlier, like who the hell is Cole Gutman? You used to know who played on the fourth line for the Chicago Blackhawks. And you can go ask a casual fan, you know, what do you think about this guy? Yeah. And they would know who he is. That's, yeah. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the kind of hockey that I'm dying for the Blackhawks to bring back because if Cole Gutman walked down Michigan Avenue, the Magnificent Mile, I bet you no one knows who the hell he is except for Ron and maybe a couple other people. That's because I'm a you'd sicko, be, though. You'd have to be very into <laughs> hockey to know yeah. who some of these guys are. Whereas if Andrew Shaw tried to walk down the Magnificent Mile, everybody would swarm him. So yep. it's it's totally a different era right now. And although, you know, there's there's very historic names with, with the Chicago Blackhawks, talking about Bobby Hull, Chris Chelios, some of those guys, go back to Eric Daze, Jeremy Roenick. Um, no other team, in, in my mind, really captivated the city the way those cup run teams did. Everybody knew who they were. Ron, Turn yeah, I, I think to add on to and maybe provide a little bit of historical backing to what Tony just said, because I'm in complete agreement. The Chicago Blackhawks is an original six team have been around since 1926. The franchise has six Stanley Cups. Three of those came in that golden era between 2010 and 2015. And 
they were very spread out otherwise. 1934 was the first one. 1938 was the second one. Then they had to wait till 1961 to win another Stanley Cup. And they had a chance in 71. They ultimately lost to your Montreal Canadiens. And then they didn't get another chance at a cup until the 90s. And they were wiped away by Mario Lemieux and Yaramir Yager and the Pittsburgh Penguins. So the the team didn't experience a lot of sustained success over the course of its entire franchise history, despite franchise pillars like some of the names you guys just mentioned. I mean, we could even just... Same thing as Boston. Same thing as Boston. Yeah, They didn't win like for 50 years before they won the cup, but they had... They had all these these guys and exactly. Borg and stuff. And yeah. the and the Hawks were were the same way. So uh, it really was just one of those. You know, they they had a couple championships. You had all these great legends. This team was just the city was itching for a championship, especially at that time too. Even if we zoom out a little bit from a hockey perspective, you know, you had the Bulls in the '90s, but the Bears in '85 are still celebrated like it happened yesterday, and that was nearly 40 years ago. And you know, prior to the, then you had the White Sox in 05. And then, you know, there, there was no Cubs world series since 1908 at that time, you know, the bulls were, were still good, but not nearly what they were in the Jordan era. The bears were a shell of themselves. The city was dying for a, a, a title team and the Blackhawks came and metaphorically took the city by its balls and said, we are the team in Chicago that people want to watch. And that, yeah, I mean, that golden era, especially now in the, in the Stanley cup era, right. We, we, you look at history of the NHL and you think about, right. The, 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 the Canadians of the the sixties and the seventies. And then you, you had that Islanders four Pete in the early eighties, you had the Oilers teams in the, in the late eighties and, and sprinkling into the nineties, you had those devils teams, you had those Detroit Red Wings teams. And yep. then the salary cap was instituted. Dynasties died with the salary cap. And it was a lot of, you know, every year you had a different winner, right? I mean, you come out of the uh, out of it and you've got a, a Carolina Stanley Cup. Did the Anaheim Ducks get one? You know, and then you had the Red Wings and Penguins trading. And even though the Penguins still managed to pull out three cups in what nine years, yeah, there was no sustained scent of dominance like the Blackhawks between 2009 or 20 2008 09 when they made it to the western conference final for the first time still that 2017 year yeah 16 17 year when they got swept by the predators in the first round i mean that that 10 year stretch they were a consistent playoff team you had a feeling they had a shot every single year and you got three stanley cups out of it i mean they're the only team that's done it in that that time frame in the salary cap era so i think for that reason alone Again, they captivated the city of Chicago. You know, people people talk about, you know, in baseball, 1998, the, that summer of 1998 saved baseball. The the 2010s of the Chicago Blackhawks saved hockey in Chicago. If it wasn't for those cup teams, they, the, the team would be irrelevant in the in the city's eyes. Absolutely irrelevant. So uh, I, I'm with Tony that that is that is the golden era of Blackhawks hockey and I think everybody everybody celebrates the history uh, and it's still very well celebrated, I think, in, in the city of Chicago and in the fan base. Um, but those 20, you know, tw- that 2010, 2013, 2015 teams will, will always hold a, a special place in everybody's hearts until the day they die. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, the more I, I was hearing you guys talk about that as well, I kind of realized, yeah, you got to have 
I don't know what they're gonna. I'm gonna come up with a term in March at some point. But like those teams that are the usual suspects, where it's always like the four, the same five, six guys. Um, one team that I can think of that was that only won once that had ca- that kind of same characters is uh, Washington. They had Backstrom, they had Carlson, mm-hmm, yeah. they had Ovechkin, they had uh, Kuznetsov and and Kuznetsov, Hol- yeah, Holby and and, and whatnot. Alexander Semin. Alexander Semin and. <laughs> Yeah, and, and Smith Belly, don't forget Hope the me. legendary Smith Belly as well. Oh, yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. But anyways, like, so it's, um, um, yeah, a lot of respect for the for the Blackhawks history there. Um, anything else you guys want to add on the history because we, we, before we uh, end with the with management and ownership? No? Okay. Um, just, just one, one little mention of Marion Hosa being the greatest free agent signing in the history of Chicago sports. That's it. That's all I had to say. So it is it is funny because something we do on the podcast and maybe we'll ask you guys to finish off the episode with that but uh, at some point but um, we'd like to do the Mount Rushmore and it's only four players but for mm. me Marion Hosa um, Simon Gagne Marion Hosa and uh, now I'm drawing a blank here but I had like three players that for me they're they really oh were, headman no that's that's for you <laughs> you're, the, you're the headman fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I forget Joe McGinley, sorry, Joe McGinley, uh, Simon Gagné and, and Marian Hossa, for me, like, were uh, my kind of players, you know, with Forsberg and, and the, those guys, um, and Lindros, obviously, but um, I forgot where I was going with this, but okay, <laughs> this is the, the, the dementia here kicking in, thanks Joe Biden, all right, um, <laughs> um, Anything about the uh, management, management and you ownership? Guys, you guys gave a good uh, vote of confidence yesterday to uh, Davidson and the way that he's building the team. Um, any mentions about Rocky before we move on? Uh, was he for you? Because you mentioned like the ownership when they changed, they kind of fixed the TV rights in the past and, and, and stuff like that. I guess you guys already did a great job of describing that. Anything else to add on management, uh, whether it's uh, the coach, GM or the owners? So who took over after Rocky passed away? His, his, his son, son Danny. Yeah, his son Danny now runs the team. The, and, yes, and, the team's been in the family team. for for a very long time, um, and it's just sort of passed down from generation to generation. Um, no intentions of selling, right? Not like none, a, none whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty much been in the words family name for, you know. And I, I would assume that it's going to go to Danny's son <laughs> at some point. What kind of person oh, is yeah. Danny? What kind of person is uh Very personable. I actually met him at the draft um, this year for the first time. And he, they're actually like Rocky and, and Danny are very fan focused. Like you'll f- see them just walking around the concourse. Um, they're out in the atrium before the game, shaking hands with people. Um, the, the As I said, the first time I met him was down at the draft um, they rented out a rooftop uh, across from Bridgestone Arena in Nashville um, this past summer for uh, a draft party. And, um, you know, he was there. He took the time to pretty much take a picture with every single fan that was there, shake hands, um, you know, was personally handing out Blackhawks gift bags and stuff to people. Uh, you know, just everything that um, that I've seen from him as an owner is 
very different than most of the other sports teams owners that, that I personally have experience with or root for their teams. So um, they do a really good job of, of taking care of their fans. And, um, you know, after, after Rocky passed away, one of the things that the Blackhawks have, have been doing, he used to, you know, bring the card chair out and sit in section 119. They're actually doing like a fan sort of nomination this year where Blackhawks fans can nominate other Blackhawks fans who like embody the spirit of, of Rocky to sit in his seat with their family for the game, um, wow. which is a really cool touching uh, thing. They opened up a bar um, in his name. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, the family's primary business is, is in the liquor uh, distribution industry. Um, so um, like they opened a bar. Montreal. Yeah. They opened up, they opened a bar within the UC um, in his name, um, you know, there's there's been people that disagree with certain decisions that have been made within the Black Hawks organization, but he comes from um, another generation too. Like people forget about that yep. as well. Yeah, definitely. And I just, you know, him bringing the games back on TV is going to be what I attribute, as we talked about earlier, to um, you know, part of the turnaround. Uh, for you know, fans getting reinvigorated. Obviously, winning helps, but uh, having the product on television, taking the team out of the dark ages, um, yeah. you know, and his son has been innovative as well uh, with certain things. They they've revamped the you know the ticket mem the season ticket membership plans, um, done a bunch of just different good work. I talked about the little Blackhawk stuff earlier. A lot of that stuff is um, you know obviously come from some of the ownership and some of the work of uh, uh, John McDonough, who uh, was in charge of the marketing um, for a while there with them, but they've, they've done a, they've done a pretty tremendous job um, as owners C comparative. When you put them on a scale of sports owners, I, I would definitely say they're in the more upper echelon of, of personable people who really care about the fan. Um, and I think that that's one of the more important things from a, from a fan perspective uh, you want your owner to care about you, not just making money off of you. So, um, Ron, I don't know if you've got anything to add there. No, you nailed it. I, I mean, ever since Rocky took over, the ownership has been looked at very differently. Um, previous to that, when it was owned by William Wirtz, it was um, it was very negative. You know, the the franchise was voted the worst franchise in professional sports in 2002. Mm. Um, home games weren't on TV in the local market. William Wirtz's thought process was if you want to see the team you'll buy a ticket and you'll come to the stadium and watch them play and it really divided the the, the fan base away from the team for a long time uh, especially after those 90s teams were broken up because William Wirtz didn't want to pay guys like Jeremy Roenick and Steve Larmer and Ed Belfour and Dominic Koshik and Chris Chelios to stick around Rocky changed that um, Rocky changed that immensely and, and Danny's taken it in lockstep with him ever since uh, I think they've gotten it right with Kyle Davidson is, is the GM hire. I think um, fresh legs. Yeah. You know, you, you get a new face in there, breath of fresh air. Uh, I think they got the head coaching hire, right. And I, I mean, they they've done everything in their power. And I think even in the, in this, this latest ownership group, obviously after the Kyle beach situation that unfolded um, after the uh, most recent Corey Perry situation that unfolded, um, Nobody they, knows they, what happened there. Yeah, yeah they but they've done it. They've done a job They're They've tried to rectify the mistakes they made. They've acknowledged the mistakes they've made. 
and they've really tried to be more transparent to the fan transparent to those that these situations will affect whether directly or indirectly and I, again i'll echo tony you look around the city of chicago and it feels like every other day in sports radio amongst friends whomever the mccaskey family is being bitched about with the chicago bears the the reinsdorfs are being bitched about with the bulls and the white Sox. And even at times, the, the Ricketts family is getting bitched about with the Chicago Cubs. A lot of nobody's bitching about the Wirtz family. That's the crazy thing. There is no no whining and complaining that they didn't try or that they're not trying to do best for the organization, for the fans. So uh, they truly are on the, the top pedestal, I think, among owners in the city of Chicago. Yeah, for me, the, the only reason why I, I when we started talking about deep dives, me and March, the only reason I wanted to absolutely have ownership listed on it is because an entire franchise, no matter how good the players are, can completely be ruined by a bad owner. Okay, and uh, I've I've seen it firsthand. Uh, I would yeah. say that Jeff Molson is a good owner. Is he a fan-oriented fa- owner? He's not, unfortunately. He is a little bit more on the beer side and the the restaurants and the profits and the bottom line stuff. Um, so what you're telling me about Danny is is very uh, revealing to me because that sounds like a really uh, a good owner when it comes to fans. Um, another another prime example of good ownership is the uh, the Vegas ownership as well that they have. Mm-hmm. What they have yeah. there. The Foley family's been great. Yeah, they they treat their players first class. They the the entire families. He knows everybody's wife. He knows everybody's daughter, kids. Uh, he brings them to his ranch every summer. All of these things. So they do a good job. And on the opposite side. So so shameful to see uh, uh, just disgusting ownership in, uh, in example, Toronto and Calgary, where Calgary and, and Toronto, they're owned by suits and lawyers and, 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 and I don't know, school boards and some lawyer companies yeah. and stuff like that. Like, it's just awful. To be, and then you can see it. The team has no soul, has no has no purpose, has no nothing. So, um, yeah, so thank you for that. Um, the last one we th- usually talk when it comes to deep dives is the ranking the jerseys. So kind of ending in a light light note. Um, contrary, to, well, I'm a little bit like you, Ron, where I don't really give numbers when it comes to jerseys. I kind of put them upper tier, mid-tier, or lower tier. Um, I'll say mine, uh, March. Uh, for me, the Blackhawks are upper tier, are in the top 10 uh, for yeah. sure, 100%. I love their away jersey. It's amazing. The red one is, is okay as well. Uh, their logo is probably in the top three in the league, in my opinion. So um, mm-hmm. yeah. how do you guys, uh, well, March, how about you? What, what's your ranking of the, of the uh, uh, I, Blackhawks branding? Like, so Chicago, it's always been quite similar to me in terms of, I mean, obviously we look at Chicago as a top logo, top jerseys in the NHL. And, and then there's also, you know, my opinion about the Detroit Red Rings, how they're also seen as the top in the NHL. And I got to tell you, you know, I don't like the Red Wings. Uh, I'm sorry, guys, if you have that opinion that you really like them, but I don't see it. Detroit um, sucks. I think that, I think that yeah, <laughs> thank you. Overrated. But I never said that about Chicago. I, I consider them. There's been jerseys coming into the league that I've liked. Like, like I don't really care for the Justin Bieber collaborations and stuff like that. I care more about, like, when Seattle unveiled their jerseys, I was like, those are fucking sick. And Vancouver's kind of altered their jerseys a bit, and I, I like them. Montreal never does anything. They just keep them the same. But Chicago, I've never been down on. I definitely consider the logo and both those jerseys. The alternates uh, could be a bit better. I, but why I had one awful f- one that I hate. 
well, I, yeah. I yeah. There's so the there's been a couple like, of awful alternates. This one. Yeah, I, but you guys might what? like it. I hate it. <laughs> oh really? See, yeah. that's probably actually one of the better. Oh yeah, I, I love it. it. But it looks right like now. the senators. Yeah, I'm picking so a fight here. Even the, this one the here, best, the can opener. Yeah, that one wasn't great. Not a fan. The, Not the a fan last bag. couple uh, of okay, other right. ones have been terrible. The Chicago candy cane one there is is pretty atrocious too. Um, but the the yeah. the front office has said they were bringing back the OG black uniforms, which uh, are just the the team's current jersey, but in black. And uh, you can yep. see them up top. Uh, those are by far the best jerseys that they've had as alternates. Um, I have a Patrick Kane in that exact uniform because it's it's that yeah. good. Um, I like, yeah. yeah, we're biased. I'm going to tell you that the Blackhawks have the best jerseys and the best logo in sports. But um, <laughs> it is. It's it's such a unique logo. It's it's such a great design. The color scheme is sensational. I mean, how often do you have a team that's, you know, a red, black and white color scheme, but has a logo that can sport colors like blue and yellow and orange and green and it not look awful or look, you know, out of balance. Yeah, exactly. Arizona. That's a good point. The, the jerseys are just so good. And I mean, they were so good. The Dallas stars had a copy off of the, the jerseys for their home jerseys. Look at their stripes on their sleeves and their bottoms. It's the exact same yeah. thing. Um, they're great jerseys. I, I mean, <clears throat> Excuse me. Because uh, I, I think no. Uh, um, no, there is no ads on the Blackhawks jerseys. Uh, just on the helmets. Um, it, it's okay. uh, it's good old uh, bell tire in uh, the city of Chicago. I know Tony will appreciate that because you hear the oh yeah the radio ads all the time for them. But um, you know they they've had some cool jerseys. I think that one there, that black and white one, was a great one. That yellow one doesn't exist as a jersey. That one was just made <laughs> by somebody. Um, I've never seen that on the ice before. It's hysterically ridiculous and kind of awesome. But um, at the same time, though, it reminds us of the Predators, and we absolutely hate the National Predators. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot of great jerseys in the league. I, I really like Montreal's. It's it's a classic. Um, yeah. I, I'm a fan of the New York Rangers. I just think the red, white, and blue is is such a, a traditional look. Um, but even some of the newer teams, I, I really like, you know, like Tampa's uniforms, I think are very clean. Um, I'm a big fan the black of ones? the black ones, uh, the black ones, even their blue ones. I like their blue and whites as well. I think they're, they're sharp. Um, I love Seattle's new, new uniforms. I think the color scheme is spot on. I think they nailed it with, uh, the Kraken and how it ties into the city and everything like that. Vegas. Um, Vegas's are good. I think they could be a little better. The the amount of gray I'm that was in them. I'm was... not a huge fan of those gold. Me neither. No, yeah. I, I like I the gray like ones. Basically because uh, the gray dude, they ones messed they up big time, man. I like their whites. I love the white gloves with the white jerseys. Like that is such a nice touch that yeah, those they're the like... only team that does that. But yeah, I'm I'm biased, but in my humble opinion, the Blackhawks uniforms are some of the best hockey, and you guys can see it on Tony's um hat here but the the sea with the tomahawks is severely yes. underutilized in my humble opinion in in their jerseys yes. i would love yeah. to see that on an alternate in the middle of the chest That'd i think be with, sick. Uh, with the indian heads on the the shoulders would be sensational i would buy six of them and nine different players because that's i'm a sicko <laughs> for jerseys that's, so that's my go-to in in eashl ron just oh, the yeah. sea that, with the tomahawks that, that yeah. look right there yeah ron you almost uh had me unfollow you with that Tampa Bay uh, jersey. Uh. <laughs> tell <laughs> me right little... now. You watch it. You watch a Tampa Bay Toronto game. Can you tell me who's who? Uh, they do look very similar, uh, and I think that's part <laughs> of the. That's that's I think what with some of the jerseys though. Like I appreciate the simplicity sometimes of jerseys, but sometimes teams go too simple to the fact they yeah. look like other teams. 
well, like, it, it takes away from the yeah. jerseys. Well, you look at look at the uh, like the St. Louis era or like their um, retro reverse jerseys with like the lightning bolts on the side and the black. And I, it, like the they black ones so that said sick. bolts down them were like my favorite jerseys that they. That had. is so sick, and imagine like that. That's uh, and then they go back to like this just this plain lightning. Ah, the plain. I don't know. Jam. It's like. Yeah, and it's and and I have that same. I'm not gonna get into this, but I have that same opinion about uh, NHL arenas. Like they go from like the Thunderdome to like Amelie Arena. Like oh, my. like I just I like hockey used to be a little bit more flavorful before all this ad bullshit came into it. So um, yeah, sponsorship well, started we're, on, on board ads. Yeah, we're thankful that the United Center still holds the. Uh, the nickname, the Madhouse on Madison, and uh, it's continued to do yeah, that. They nice. even have it displayed in the arena. It says Madhouse on Madison up but, in the in the rafters. And you got to agree, like like there's things like Staple, like Danny mentioned earlier, Staple Center, like Pepsi Center, and now it's Ball Arena. Like, what the? Like I don't. Whatever. Actually, this wouldn't anyway. be a coast to coast to coast episode if I if I wasn't there to create some trouble here. So, uh, <laughs> putting our guests on the spot. What should, what what is the worst jersey in the league for you? Ooh, I have no problem. It, it, could, it could be people. a team. It could be a team, or it could be a, a specific jersey of of an of an okay team. Okay. Uh, I just hate Nashville that much. I mean the the pissed <laughs> yellow. Piss <laughs> yellow. Yeah, but they got the best. They're like I, I to tell you the truth, I didn't like their goal song, but like their crowd, like when the playoffs, remember that when they're in like PK Subban era, like their goal song and they're, they're all they're saying, a bunch hey, of, it's your they're about, it's your they're fault. A bunch of bandwagon fans, man. They, <laughs> you know, no, no, no. We and there's a there's a legitimate story. Hey guys, that, we're doing a Nashville uh, deep dive uh, next episode. Uh, relax. Oh, beautiful. Know, they'll they'll right. absolutely love this. Then it was so bad. The Chicago Blackhawks, when they would play in Nashville for all those years, owned the ticket sales in Nashville to the point where they stopped selling the zip codes in the Chicagoland area for tickets because they were that butthurt that fans would come and take over their arena. They're a bunch of absolute bandwagoners because their team <laughs> was hot piss trash before the okay. recent run that they've been on. No, exactly. uh, led by Shea this, Weber. This... Led by Shea Weber. <laughs> no. <laughs> I will say the most disappointing jersey to me, it's, it's not even bad, but it's it's Anaheim, the Ducks. Why not just roll with the, 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 the original Mighty opinion. Ducks jerseys? Yeah, it yeah. was it, it's an absolute travesty that they tried to like just change that up like the the duck foot with the d and, and yeah, like the orange yeah, yeah yeah awful i i yeah. will say i'm happy that arizona did their rebrand that they did with the cochina again though because they fixed that because their old uniforms were so boring um but i have to agree with tony if i'm just going from a pure hate standpoint the piss yellow of national predators are disgusting <laughs> If I, I'll, I might as well chime in here. It's the LA Kings ahead, for me. It's the LA Kings. I, Bring I back don't. The purple and the yellow with the crown. I, I disagree. Really? I, the, because listen, the Lakers color, like they need to make an identity. And I think that identity mm. should be black with purple and Ooh. that, and with that crown on the front, but like Ooh. the black and white, like I just, I don't like that. Boring. Like that doesn't belong. Like like what am I watching? Like in the '60s with no color. Like I I just hate it. And if they had purple, like that is sick. Like it works so well. And they have some. They had some jerseys with the purple shoulders and like the bottom with the crowns mm-hmm. and like the they could have a silver crown in the middle. Oh, that looks so nice. But that's my opinion. I just wish. Like I feel like California doesn't have that. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know what the word is. Uh, that that well, swagger. I was gonna say. Yeah, I was gonna say. For, for me, it's it's San Jose. There's nothing nice coming out of. Well, there you go. We're just naming it. Yeah. I almost I almost miss San Jose's older uniforms when they had more of the orange and the black in them than they do now. Mm. Where it's just a. It it looks like a little kid went on Microsoft Office for the first time and found the teal color <laughs> and just went fill and it filled it all in teal because that's all it is that's now. So and it's, good. It's not as cool anymore. It's 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 disappointing. I used to I liked like if we're talking Sharks jerseys, the best ones were like the Dan Boyle, Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe era were the, their best uniforms in my opinion yeah. by far. Okay. Um... Like, uh, this is I'm promise I don't I don't say say this to every single guest we get. I, we love hanging out with you. The chats that I'm having <laughs> in private with March, we are really having fun. Like we could do this. You guys remind us a lot of the uh, of uh, of uh, Grandy and and Matt from Arizona. Uh, I think you guys would get along really really well with them. So um, mm-hmm. it would be an awesome date when they have a beer with all of you guys. But anyways, um, I would say. To end off things, I mean, I don't want to end off things. I want to do another two hours, but anyways, to end off things, <laughs> uh, you guys want to just tell us um, uh, personally, for whatever reason, active or not, uh, yeah, it doesn't even have to make sense. Uh, your favorite players, uh, your Mount, Mount Rushmore of uh, favorite players for each. Tony, go ahead and lead off, my friend. How many? How many did we get? Four? You said earlier. Yes. I got to do some thinking here. I know Ron's probably doing the same thing, but number one is Marion Hosa for me. Um, just all-time favorite hockey player. Uh, probably throw Chris Chelios up there, number two, just because he was the you know captain growing up. Um, so out of those, there's there's two spots. I uh, got to throw Patrick Kane in there just because you know probably greatest American-born hockey player of all time. Got to witness him win a couple of cups which is which showtime was fun. and now now i'm down i'm like all right do i do i roll with jonathan taves do i try and do something different here um you know i eventually think that Connor bedard could could work his way in there it's way too early in his career um to even put him on a mount rushmore yet he's still got a lot to achieve um hmm I mean, it's not yeah. only best. You can make just sentimental favorite players. Yes, yeah, well. we'll we'll go with. Um, Army wants to throw Dominic Hasek <laughs> in there, but uh, man, this is tough. Did you know that the one time March got into a fight with Dominic Hasek on Twitter? No, I did not. <laughs> I did not know that, but that's yeah, that's did. incredible. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, that's a good point. Yeah. All right, I'll, he's I'll, on my. I, I might round it out with uh, with. See, there's so many names that are just flooding my brain right now. Hey, man, we're not going to hold this to you at your next job interview. Don't worry. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> this, this is tough. This is tough stuff. I, I know, know it is. For me, it's tough. Like, I didn't even put I wouldn't get a chance to put Forsberg, Lindros. I didn't get a chance to put uh, Marian Hossa, Simone Gagne. All I had to do with like Patrick Roy and 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 yeah, see when guys. you start opening it up to like other NHL teams, yes, now it gets exactly. even more complicated. So I'm just trying to keep it Blackhawks. Yeah. Um, Ron has already. Has I, I have to. I probably have to go Jonathan Taves, guys. I just That's I really not a bad choice. Captain no, serious. Yeah, Ron, let's let's hear him. Yeah, I mean, I I love Kaner. I love Taves. But if we're if we're talking like. Cause I did, I can distinctly remember a number of players that I had like, 
I will call them a sick obsession with, like they were my favorites and people were like, why? And I was like, it doesn't matter. Just shut the hell up and just yep. acknowledge me. Yep. But uh, me growing up one, was Miroslav Shatan, by the way, for no good reason ooh, when I was a kid, a when one. I was a kid. Yeah, that's a good one. Miroslav Satan is a good one. Um, I loved Martin Havlat. I was a huge Marty Havlat fan. I was actually sad when Martin Havlat got, they let him walk in free agency. Um, obviously it led to Marion Hosa, but even then I was still sad. I was like, why can't we have both? Cause I was greedy and I didn't know better at the time, but um, Marty Havlat for me is definitely, I think on there. I, I loved Marty Havlat when he was a Blackhawk. Um, Nikolai Habibulin is up there as well. I've actually gotten to meet Nikolai Habibulin. I have a t-shirt signed by him. Um, such a cool dude. The Bulin wall. Bulin I mean, the wall. masks were awesome. And uh, he, he was definitely up there. He was the my first memories. Well. Yeah, he was he was my f- first memory of, you know, goaltending. Um, I want to I'm a sicko. I want to get a 53 hobby Bulin jersey, not even his 39 that he wore for most of his career. But um, I and Tony knows this one. Brandon Saad was my favorite Blackhawk in those cup runs. Knew that was coming. I love Brandon <laughs> Saad. Like, sick obsession with Brandon Saad. Love Brandon Saad. I'm so sad that he's a St. Louis Blue. It, Ron it wants tears to me apart. Skin. I, no, maybe not that far. But um, <laughs> I, I still got – I actually wore my Brandon Saad jersey recently to the United Center. So I I still – it still gets broken out and, and put to good use. And honestly, you know – Brent Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith are are two of my favorites, but I loved Nicholas Jalmerson. Nicholas Jalmerson for me was the epitome of nobody knows his name outside of Chicago. He blocks shots. He doesn't do anything that's sexy on the score sheet, but he just grinds out and he's just an elite defensive defenseman. I remember all the years of people saying they needed a defensive defenseman award and how many times Nicholas Jalmerson would have won the award as a, a defenseman in the NHL because he was so good. March so, has a full segment on this, by the way, of uh, the Norris going the def- to the most offensive and the, the defensive guy doesn't get anything and all that. Yeah, he has a full it's true. It's a hundred percent true. And uh, yeah, Nicholas Jalmerson for me is up there. I, I love all those guys. I mean, I've got all their jerseys sitting upstairs. You got two right unspoken now, but... heroes for the, for those. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those, those four okay. for me were, you know, for me, Havlat and Hobby Bullen were like the first introduction to Blackhawks, you know, when, when Taves and Kane were rookies and um, you know, Taves was my first Jersey, but uh, you know, the, then Jalmerson and, and Saad were kind of that second level of of love. So that's my Blackhawks, Mount Rushmore favorites. But yeah, as Tony noted, if we open it up to all the teams in the league, uh, we can we can send you guys a follow up message in like three days once I ponder on it, like uh, the great thinker and uh, whatever that monument is of the guy thinking in stone. It's going to be me for the next three days thinking about my Mount Rushmore. You guys are <laughs> you guys have been awesome. This has been fun. Um, yeah, throwing March under the bus here with. For, for saying Gallagher and Hedman, but uh, on his list at one point, but uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, man. Listen. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, listen. <laughs> even, hey, even my Google is listening. Um, no, Gallagher, for that reason, listen, until this year, <laughs> or until maybe the year. past couple of years, Gallagher, if I had two players, two current players, and I think it's should be Price and Gallagher and Gallagher for the reason that like you 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 come you go back to the bench and you're always just like you can't even breathe and it shows that like you know you might not get the points or the or the glory but 
you're, you just keep fighting and you're, he's, his head's like under the – I mean this – Danny's completely turned rogue on me. The guy keeps sending me a picture of uh, Sergachev throwing Gallagher into the ice. So, um, yeah. It, it, uh, so this guy's a bit of a bully to tell you the truth. But um, yeah, like other guys for me are like – In French we say « on taquine ce qu'on aime », which means uh, uh, we bully those where we like. Danny, you're going to have to teach me some French. So fun fact, I did the whole like DNA and everything, the, the, you know, 23 and me type ancestry. thing. And uh, my, yeah. yeah, the ancestry and my, um, my last name is Luce, L-U-C-E, but it actually derives from the Rimouski region of oh. Quebec. Mm. Um, and it was, it was Luceu. Uh, so I actually really want to learn French. So I'm going to be in your DMs, Danny, asking you about French words. Anytime. So, Anytime. Um, but yeah, that's a little a little fun fact to to kind of round out the show. About me. <laughs> so, well, well, uh, I got a question, March, just before we end it, because I love those guys. Sure. It's 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 a really great quick question. So the Kashina here, we talked about it briefly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can you? Oh, here comes the Kachina question. Yeah, I know. Can you tell <laughs> me? I want to. I want to see their faces as, as they do this. That's why I want to ask it. So when you when you look at the, this here, if I if you were to describe this to a blind person, can can you can you, tell me what how how would you describe this? Doesn't matter who it is. It, you don't have to do both just for the sake of time. Just can, can you describe this to a blind person? Tony, do you think you could? It's a half alive coyote. Mm-hmm. On ice skates with a yep. hockey stick in green pants and a red shirt. Good enough for me. So, excellent. So the coyote, what's going on with his face? Yeah, it's, it's half skinned. He's just got half a skull. See, it looks like a goalie mask. But it's to me, it looks like one of those desert, like you know well, what I'm talking about. You know what it really looks like? It looks like a like a Jason mask, but on yeah. a coyote. March, there it is. We got two fans yeah, yeah. here. They've, they've yeah. known each other for years. They have no idea that they've looked at this logo the, the, the opposite ways for the longest time. Okay, so Danny. basically, <laughs> basically Ron thinks that the coyote is looking to his to the left. And Tony thinks the coyote is looking towards the camera. Uh, see, okay, I think the coyote's looking toward the camera, but half of his face has a goalie ma- or like a mask on it. No, I think I think he's he's looking to the left, and the goalie mask is is like you said, the goalie mask. Oh, the in front of his face. Yeah, okay. because look at the dog, like with the dots and stuff. So is he looking to the left or is he looking towards your? So I always like to ask that question. Anyway. Can we just leave it as it's probably both? <laughs> it's probably both. It probably Danny and his uh, conspiracy theories. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, that's it for me. The world's flat. (laughs) Yeah, well, for the longest time, I thought it was he was looking left, and then we did the Arizona thing, and they said, "Oh no, it's facing you." And yeah, so yeah, it was actually like kind of. So he's basically facing you or winking, or he's looking to the left. Okay, that's it. Okay. Um, (laughs) Well, uh, this has been awesome, guys. Um, Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. I mean, we learned so much. Uh, you know, from the golden era of Blackhawks hockey, um, the insights of the future of this team, all the way to, hey, Rockford's mayor going big or going home with their thievery of a Guinness World Record from Vancouver Island. And I didn't enjoy that as much as Tony probably did. did. Um, however, this has been great. So thank you, Ron. And thank you, Tony. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thanks for having it. us, guys. We appreciate it. Just before you go, uh, do you guys want to uh, 
Ron or Tony, do you guys want to just drop uh, your social media handles one more time? Uh, just I'll, just the podcast, if you want. Yeah, I'll take it, Tony. Uh, at Four Feathers Pod at OnTap Sportsnet are the best places to find us. Um, if you're looking for our personals, you'll be able to you'll be able to find them through there. So that's the best place to start. So at Four Feathers Pod on the socials for uh, Four Feathers Podcast, and then uh, if you're looking for the overarching entity of all of us uh, at OnTap Sportsnet uh, on the socials as well. Sweet. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, Danny, anything else? I think for me, you guys are the best. Nice All right. You. Cheers. Yeah, cheers, guys. Nice meeting you. Nice to meet you guys. Appreciate it. New episodes drop every week on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at C2CTHP.